everybody, this is Brett. And I'm Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast. The best of 2021. We come to this place for magic. We come to Gilded Films to laugh, to cry, to care, because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when Zay begins to talk and Christian begins to sing and Brett begins to hallucinate. <laughs> Not just entertained, but somehow reborn together. Dazzling images on our little tiny silver screens, sounds and laughter that I can almost feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this because here it is, Gilded Films. We make commentary better. <laughs> that you. was wonderful. Thank that, you. That, they, that was they great. shedding a tear. That, that's what I was looking up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome everybody to the Gilla Films podcast. I'm Christian. You knew that and you're probably like, wow, they're going to be slapped with some copywritten issues there if AMC gets their hands on this. Sure, whatever. Anyway, we're back. We're going to be talking about the top 10 films of 2021 that we all liked. Brett's here. Zay is here. Toby is with us. Hello to everybody. Hello. 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 Um, I- um Zay actually couldn't make it. I am Ava from the A24 film Lamb. Um, I speak English now. Didn't I, trick, didn't I slaughter you? Thank you for having me on the pod. Well, thank <laughs> you for coming from all the way from Iceland. This is my what Katya as Bjorn voice. <laughs> And that's a niche joke that some won't get. Anyway, hello. Say hi to Brett. Take us away from there. We also have something fun and special going on in this episode. Whoa, what is it? We do. Um, So some of you may like this. Some of you may absolutely hate this. We're going to have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, So we all decided we, we always talk about what our favorite films of the year are. But we also want to talk about, yes, I'm going to go there, the films that we really did not like from 2021. And so stop being little whiny babies and just deal with it. There's literally controversy within the episode with among <laughs> hosts. So hosts and guests. Yeah, you know, um, this will be it won't be as long as our our, our top 10 so trust me we're, we're still putting the positive forward but we're all going to go through and, and we're going to give our bottom five of the year um and you can rank this if you want to you don't have to i ranked mine number five to one the number one being the worst and so i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to kick us off with that and so hopefully none of these appeared on your top 10 list if so oof. All right. Well, my number five <laughs> worst film of the year is Bliss. Uh, this was an Amazon movie with Salma Hayek and Owen Wilson. 
I did a review on it. That's the only reason I watched it. So uh, decent premise, but it was awful. Uh, number four, House of Gucci. Expect it to at least be somewhat fun. No, it wasn't but fun at all. It's chic. It's chic. <laughs> Mario, no. Uh, <laughs> awful. I this this is the longest I felt in a theater like for a movie in some time. Um, the last three I fortunately did not see in a theater. Uh, number three, number three worst is Malcolm and Marie. Uh, pretty awful movie where I think the director was just kind of spouting his ideas through his characters unfiltered. Uh, number two, no surprise here, Space Jam, A New Legacy. I am a fan of the original, so keep that in mind, but I did not think this was fun whatsoever. Maybe the kids enjoy it. Maybe they don't. I really don't care. And my number one of the year is one that actually Christian warned me about. Um, I didn't heed that warning strong enough. And I watched this around Halloween. It is in the earth. Uh, a blinding, just punishing, torturous horror movie that feels like a really bad ripoff of Stan Brackage or something like that. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy the whole sensory details of it all whatsoever and found the plot just kind of dumb, to be honest. So in the earth, that is my least favorite film of the year. And that's my bottom five. So we're going to go on to Christian next. Christian, what do you got? Okay. Well, here we go. The plot twist of the evening. My fifth worst film of 2021 is the Palme d'Or winner <laughs> and everybody's favorite of the year, Teton. I thought this was a total waste of my time. There's no redeeming qualities to it. It's an ugly movie nobody is good at acting in this because nobody's doing shit except for staring at each other it makes no fucking sense i don't get it i don't care go fuck your own cars if you want to toby's patting me for whatever reason okay <laughs> <laughs> surprise it's number five whoa plot twist there my number four is reminiscence i don't know if anybody saw this except for Toby and I, it was on um, HBO Max, but it's Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. That one. That one. You know what? I couldn't tell you a single thing about what it was. I don't remember it at all. I remember I was bored as shit within the first five minutes. So that tells you something. Number three was <clears throat> a movie called Separation with person one and person two and Mamie Gummer, AKA Meryl Streep Jr., Spoiler alert, she dies within the first like 10 minutes. I We literally went to go see it for her and she's gone in 10 minutes. It's a, supposed to be a scary movie. It is like creepy moments, but I don't care. It's like, I don't know. We were the only two in the theater too, which is kind of creepy there. My number two is Tom and Jerry, total waste of time. Like Brett with Space Jam, uh, the live action animated shit. It don't work anymore. Just stop doing it. Uh, and my number one is also In the Earth. Yes, went into it thinking it's going to be a scary movie, something amazing, leaving with a newfound, I don't know, uh, what do you call it? When I, hallucinogenic trans parents see, I hated it, okay? I don't even know the words. Um, if you watch this, leave some lights on. There's a lot of flashing and yeah. So if you have issues with that, good luck. But it's terrible because it goes in one direction and then it goes in another and it makes no sense. But those are the movies I hated. Gear of Hansen just barely missing out. Ooh. 
Dun, dun, dun. Okay, we're going to pass it on to Toby. Okay, so my fifth worst of the year was Malcolm and Marie. Just like Brett, I did not enjoy it at all. The dialogue was terrible. I, I like a good monologue, but it's a bit much. <laughs> and what they were ranting about was just, it was done on joy. Uh, my number four worst was Blythe Spirit. I guess that's technically 2021. I mean, obviously you watch it because Judy Dench is in it, but it's like, where was she? She was barely in it. So terrible story. Um, the, re- uh, the original is better. Um, my number three worst is Separation, like Christian said. Uh, we watched it because the trailer had Meryl Streep's daughter, who's Mamie, Mamie in a, a bunch. And then she dies in like the first 10 minutes and the rest of it just doesn't make any sense. Um, next to last is In the Earth. It just seems all of us have had so far. <laughs> Did not like it. We saw it in the theater. So it was like, I had to like look away half the time because it was just jarring. And then my worst of the year is Home Sweet Home Alone. I had to pick that because... It's a remake of one of my favorite movies. I tried to give it the benefit of the doubt. I was, you know, all in for it up until I watched it. It just like takes everything that's good about Home Alone and makes it like this unfunny. It's just not funny. I mean, Buzz is in it, which is the coolest part, but that's about it. So how cool is it, though, when uh, like a few weeks ago, that guy was arrested for domestic abuse? Okay, well, the character (laughs) <clears throat> not the actor obviously <laughs> Look, that movie has a lot of that movie has a lot of issues yes it does for sure not very good i actually did heed both your warnings on that one and i just i skipped it so yeah definitely worth it i noticed malcolm and marie almost made mine too and like toby said monologuing with a purpose that is like paper thin yeah it's whatever the director yeah. wants to say they don't sound like real humans in that movie no. at all so all right, Ava, what do you got? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant Duvernay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, hey. You know, I wish I saw In the Earth now. I got it at the library, but I haven't seen it yet still. Oh, you're going to love it. I-, I think so, too. I, <laughs> I feel like I would actually love it. <laughs> I also didn't see Malcolm and Marie. Or that fake movie with Meryl Streep's daughter you saw. (laughs) Okay, my number five is going to be controversial because a lot of people do love this movie. It's Licorice Pizza. It just didn't work for me. I just, it just felt like a series of events that didn't culminate into an actual movie for me. I was just like, eh, I don't like these people. I don't like the time I'm having. I know you're not really supposed to like them, but... It didn't work. And then some weirdo was sitting next to me the whole time in the theater. Why couldn't you just move into another seat? My number four is Don't Look Now. That movie pissed me off. You mean Don't Look I, Up? Don't Look Up. Why did I write now? <laughs> <laughs> don't Look Up! Anyway, that movie pissed me off to the point that I don't even want to say its real name. Um, number three is a movie I don't think anyone saw. It was a Netflix drama starring Melissa McCarthy. It's called The Starling. It, it's bad. 
<laughs> bad. She gave us two bad movies this year. Uh, the other one oh, d- just barely didn't make this list. Melissa McCarthy, please, if you're listening now, get better roles. Melissa McCarthy, if you're listening right now, divorce him. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is a horror movie called False Positive, which is like a modern retelling of Rosemary's Baby. And I'm telling you now, don't you don't need to remake Rosemary's Baby. I don't think I've ever seen a good reinterpretation. And my number one is a movie that should have never been made because it's just, hey, hey, we have IP too. It's Space Jam, A New Legacy. Very and nice. I am not a fan of the original. <laughs> that, that says a lot. Um, no, I, I consider Don't Look Up as well, I will say. But yeah, good list. Well, Clearly, there was only two of us who saw Dear Evan Hansen. I did not see. I did I not see it. Nope. I think that's another thing about my worst list, that mine was pretty definite. I just chose not to watch movies that I knew I was not going to like this year, I think. I have too many other things to watch. I don't want to see Dear Evan Hansen. Please watch it for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I thought that was fun. Um, Everybody's going to be like, why'd they do this? Because we can. Okay. I know, I'm just imagining... <laughs> Watching Dear Evan Hansen is like the It Follows monster that you tell me to watch it. Now I watch it. Now I have to tell someone else to watch it so it'll get away from me. (laughs) Seriously, though, I see people all the time when people post their worst and they're like, why do they have to do this? Art is subjective. Everybody makes movies to be like, okay, cool. But sometimes they don't make good movies. They just do it for like the money or they don't even care. They're just like a tax write-off situation. I don't know what to tell you, except sometimes sometimes movies will suck, okay? I, I would like to hear one person defend Space Jam 2. Yes. As Actually, I don't know if I want to hear that, but... That's anything more than, hey, let's see if we can make HBO Max the multiverse movie. I, I just have one comment on the ordeal and it i just i don't know i i think the argument that like why be so negative like people trash the shit out of movies all year individually on twitter and then all of a sudden they see a worst of this is like why would you be so negative and harmful i'm like you trash sam levinson for months and i can't put malcolm and marie on my worst of list like come on um but yeah i think also people take it too personally like who cares yes yeah, right I still talk to Christian, even though he talks about Teton more than I do. <laughs> okay, look, that movie, with, I, what's the redeeming quality, friends? Well, we'll be talking about that we, soon. We may get to that, yeah. Jeez. No, uh, but that is a good segue because I am very interested to hear if any of those or which of those might appear on someone's top 10 list. Um, but if you don't like hearing worst of lists, we'll put it in the, the description where you can skip that if you want to, but um we will now move into our actual top 10 so we will do this like we normally do we'll each go kind of a round table thing um and give our thoughts on each movie i do want to say we are doing something a little bit different this time um shout out to some other podcasts that have done this i shout out almost sideways if anybody there's listening um this is where i think the first place i heard this done um and i've heard on a few others but we know that sometimes 
we're probably going to have the same movies on some of our lists, mostly in different places. So what we're going to do is we have a code word or a phrase that will come up at some point. You'll know when it comes up, I promise. Um, and if someone says a film, like let's say I say lamb at number eight and Zay has it at number four, Zay can shout the phrase and we will wait until we get to Zay's list um, or whoever has it the highest. Multiple people can shout it. So it's our first time doing this. We'll see how this works. I think it's going to work really well. It's going to be fun. So I'm not exactly sure what the code word is, but I'll just go with it. <laughs> hey, guess what? It's on the outline. All right. Uh <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Which I have clothes, so now you're going <laughs> All right. Are we ready to go with our top tens? Yes. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to start us off with my number 10 of the year. I have to say, this is actually a movie I saw in 2020, uh, Denver Film Festival, but it didn't get an actual release until July of this year. Um, I might be the only one that's seen it. It is The Killing of Two Lovers. So I was just intrigued by this one, by the title alone. I didn't really know what it was going into it. Um, and when I left it, I wasn't even entirely sure what to think about it, but I knew that I loved it. Um, just trying to figure out how much, because there's a lot to really dissect with this. Um, this is a story of a man who lives in rural, I want to say it's like Montana, uh, kind of lives in this small town and he has recently semi separated from his wife um, and they have four kids together and they're basically just taking a break. I'll put it that way. Um, so they can see other people, but they're still trying to kind of mend their marriage. And what we come to find is that um, Nikki, it, the wife character is having a lot better time with that than the husband who's played by Clay Crawford he plays David. Um, throughout, we kind of see the husband spiraling because of this. And oftentimes it's very subtle, but it feels like a breakdown is coming. And the concern is that that could be violent. Um, I really, really love the use of sound in the film because it uses a lot of like things that sound like door slamming or, or metal clanking and to kind of display what's going on in this guy's head and it really builds to the tension even though there's not a lot of yelling in the film there's not a lot of, of violence or anything like that but we know something might be coming um the ending of this film i'm not going to reveal it all i'm going to say is that it's kind of depressing in a way that i didn't expect it to be and i will also say that clayne crawford gives an excellent performance one that i knew was never going to be up for any awards but that i really wish was um, an excellent, just amazing lead performance that's both subtle, but kind of gives that build um, into whatever's going to come along the way. Um, cinematography is excellent. Uh, it's like 85 minutes long. Um, forgot to see where it can be watched, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Uh, but that's my number 10, The Killing of Two Lovers. I just looked it up. It's on Hulu and Canopy right now. Perfect. I've not seen it either. So I've literally not heard of it until now. I'm pretty sure I requested a screener of this and they never sent it to me. 
that's weird. I I was gonna think I thought it was neon for a second, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't know. I think it's neon. Is it neon? Okay. Perfect. Christian, want to take us away with yours? <clears throat> yes. Okay. So my first number number ten here is M Night Shyamalan's old. He's old. The movie's old. What do you know? Anyway, so if you don't know what this is, I mean, where were you in July? But it is about a group of people who are on a tropical holiday, um, nice resort, nice area. And the resort manager is like, hey, you can go to this beach. It's secluded. It's private. They go to the beach and then shit starts happening. They start aging, which is not really a spoiler thing because it's in the trailer. But a lot of shit's happening with them. They don't know what the hell's going on. I'll leave it at that. Because this is still, I mean, it's M. Night Shyamalan. There's twists in it. If you haven't seen it, go rent it wherever. Blockbuster, if you're in Oregon <laughs> listening to us. Um, but it's good. I mean, his last couple of movies have been duds for me. Like, I don't care about Split and Glass. The Visit was fine. But this is like M. Night Shyamalan back to the shit that I like. Like the feeling of signs, um, the the plot twistiness of the village, and of course, you know, the sixth sense. Don't get me started on the happening. I know some of us weirdly like that movie. Which, I love the happening. Yeah, we okay, we don't talk about the happening. But yes, old is just it's I think it's fantastic. It's it's scary in its own type of M night Shyamalan way. And it's mostly like you freak out a lot. And my second time watching this, I actually watched it with a group of older people, family members, and just seeing their reaction to certain scenes was like, yeah, they got the point of it. It's kind of scary to grow up. That's it. I saw those, I saw those pictures. They were pretty, pretty funny. And, and <laughs> yeah. It's in my honorable mentions. I really like old. Same. I like it. I enjoy it as well. I don't love it as much as you do, obviously, but um, I really enjoy old. It's fun. Like, just don't think about it too much. Just let yourself get into it. So, Or think or do think or about it too much. Maybe. Yeah, you could go either way. <laughs> but Okay, wait. Looking at the letterbox, today I learned Clint Eastwood's daughter is in the movie. Hmm. As the woman who gives them drinks when they first enter. <laughs> I am okay. shook. Wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> Hold up. Okay. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. Toby, want to give us yours? Okay. Um, opening up with my number 10. My number 10 is Eternals, directed by Chloe Zhao. Um, so Eternals is a mar- is a Marvel movie about the Eternals who are an ancient race of aliens who live on Earth and they've been living on Earth for thousands of years um, trying to defeat the Deviants which is um, trying to, to defend the humans from the Deviants so they haven't really um, interfered in humans too much unless it's Deviants are involved um, I really like this one because it's a Marvel movie that feels like it was directed by Chloe Zhao. And it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie terribly much. Um, 
I loved like, she definitely uses more practical cinematography than um, a typical Marvel movie. Uh, the characters, I've seen a lot of people say that the characters don't get a lot of screen time. And I don't think they, they kind of don't, but I, I really felt connected to a lot of the characters. Angelina Jolie is great. Gemma Chan is great. Um, you kind of really get that sense of that they really care for humans, especially with Gemma's Chan's character in the last hour or so. It's, um, I don't know, I, when I was sitting there watching this movie, it kept getting better for sure. Um, I just, I really like this one. I don't, it, I, I keep thinking, I've kept, kept thinking about it throughout since I've seen it in November. So, yeah. Y'all out there ragged on this movie. And it's also the only Marvel movie that's rotten, which is weird to me. Right. But yeah, that's. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought it was really good. Did y'all see Black Widow? I like Black Widow I as like well. Black... <laughs> okay, well, I didn't. <laughs> oh. I liked all four Marvel films that came out this year, and I did really like Eternals. I. I hate that so many people consider it the worst reviewed Marvel movie just because it's Rotten Tomatoes score. Like you got shit like Thor, the dark world out there and you're bagging on Eternals. Like, no, I, I think it's really good. I think Chloe Zhao probably did as best as she could given the constraints of working within. Yes. It's like MCU. this big, it's like this big Marvel movie, but you also get these like really human like stories that like it, it's a large scale, all of humanity, but you really get this sense like why um, humans deserve to be, to keep failing and trying again. Why we deserve to learn from our history um, and we're always doing better, or in theory, we're always doing better than what we've done in the past. History is failing. I liked how talky it was. I know a lot of people mm -hmm. hated that, but I was like, yeah, just sit around and talk about this shit. Right. Uh, I don't want to see your like CGI <laughs> fest bashing. Right. And it had good action. I think it had good action in between the really intense talky moments. So, I mean, it Definitely. doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. When you think, when I think about it, I don't think about it in context of all the other Marvel movies at all. Same. Where can we find it? Uh, Disney Plus. Disney as Plus. of this month. And as the kids say, Angelina Jolie was serving cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, I want like an R-rated version where there's like full-on nudity from everybody. Goodbye. I mean... I mean, apparently in the comics, Athena fucks one of the deviants. I would have seen... I would have watched that. Oh, oh okay. I mean, you have Richard Madden, you have Barry Keegan, who has, like, you know, the face, but, yeah, I don't care. Get Harrington. I mean, you have options here that could be nude. I want to see a movie between, like, Chloe Zhao and Salma Hayek where Salma actually plays a rancher in South Dakota. That would be an <laughs> awesome movie. Here for it. Why does it just uh, feel like a plot line when she was on 30 Rock? <laughs> All right, Zay, what do you got? Oh, God, here we go. I don't appreciate this tone. <laughs> Am I going to be offended? I mean, you didn't like this movie. Oh, geez. My number 10 is Drive My Car, directed uh -oh. by Ryusuke 
Amaguchi, based on the short story by Haruki Murakami. Um, it's a film that a lot of people are talking about. Um, it's a quiet contemplative film in a lot of ways. It's also, it's a long movie, but I think it earns that three hours. I say, as I took three different times to finish it, I was busy that day. You pulled a I had to keep coming back. <laughs> um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the subtle kinkiness of the movie. I think the relationship he had with his wife his, his ex-wife doesn't okay i'm not a good explaining that there's a plot to this movie <laughs> a man is like he's a he's a famous actor he's gonna go to this thing and he, it's like a, it's a play and he's the is he the director or he's like he's mm-hmm. somewhere up there of the play and he's basically doing that but in the back of his mind he's thinking about his wife who died suddenly um and how it's a story about grief and how the people we we grieve multiple sides of people because we grieve the people we knew but then we realized that we didn't know everything about them and then we're also griefing the people that we didn't know and i think that's a very special part of that movie and then he connects with his driver because he's not allowed to drive and that is a sense of control he has to let go so that he can be driven around this place while he's working. Um, But she also is grieving for her family that died and they have this very special connection. Um, Yeah, and it's just very, it's a lot. I wanna rewatch it again soon. Um, And one of my favorite actors, Park Yu-Rim, she's a Korean actress who plays an actor in the movie, but she only, she is uh, mute in the movie and she only speaks through Korean sign language. And I think she's very effective and only like, she, I think she's only like in two scenes. I really liked her. I really liked the movie. Drive my car. They drive the car a lot. <laughs> this one I liked, didn't love, but I think it has a pretty fantastic opening scene. It was a, it was a long movie. Um, I I I wish I could get my three hours back. I thought it was long too, but um, I did think there was quite a few moments where I was like, like between when they were in the car, obviously, but there was a lot of moments where they were talking to each other where it was like, oh, okay, I see where this is, what the appeal in this is, and then there was some good moments of, um, like the way it was shot and the cinematography were really nice. So overall, I thought it was long and I would definitely watch it again. So it was like something that I think I need to watch again. <laughs> um, but I, what? <laughs> I also like the score. I found the score very pretty. I don't remember it, but. I, mm, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I have seen better movies about people driving in cars. I won't name them here. F9. Go Shit. talk <laughs> Listen, I'm sure you can go do your own podcast about Herbie Foley loaded later. I saw that in theaters. Same. I will say, I can't recall the name, but I'm pretty sure the author of the story this is based on also wrote the basis for Burning from a few yes, years ago. Burning. And that's a great movie. If you oh, see, I like, 
See, and I like burning. Yeah. All right. So going on to my number nine, um, one that we've all seen, one that may show up on another list. It is In the Heights. Evil dies tonight. Evil tonight. (laughs) (laughs) There's the phrase. I will hold off my discussion until we get to whoever has it highest. All right. Turn. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're number nine. I wasn't there at the uh, rehearsals for this, so (laughs) I didn't realize we're skipping. Okay, my number nine is uh, Cruella. Nobody. Okay. Well, here we go. Sometimes Disney makes a decent live action movie, okay? And weirdly enough, the two times that they really succeeded, both were about Corella DeVille. This is uh, an origin story of sorts about Corella, played in this one by Emma Stone, and how she sort of uh, became, I don't know, what is she? She's like a pickpocketer slash wannabe fashion designer to then, you know, fashion extraordinaire slash rival to Emma Thompson, who is amazing in this movie. Um, They're actually both pretty amazing in this. But yeah, it's a prequel. I mean, if you know anything about Corella DeVille, it's how she turned into, you know, the baddest bitch in London and how the Dalmatians, I guess, came into her life and how those Dalmatians were, well, you know, if you know anything about the story of 101 Dalmatians, the cameos at the end, which are kind of questionable because you're like, oh, wait a minute. These dogs are supposed to be siblings, but they had babies. So <laughs> fun fact there. Anyway, I just really liked it. I don't know. It's like it stuck with me since we first saw it because we saw a screener of it. Um, we didn't get a chance to see this in theaters. And then we watched it with my family during the 4th of July. And I like even loved it even more. And this is one that I would go back to every single year. And that's rare for a Disney live action remake, interpretation, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, that is Corella. It's on Disney Plus, of course. It's fun. And the costumes are incredible. So. Really nope. good popcorn flick. I liked it. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it, it too. I was actually pleasantly surprised they liked it. Yeah. I liked how they didn't, like, it wasn't, it wasn't what I was expecting. And I liked that. So, right. Mm-hmm. Nobody evil died tonight. <clears throat> wow. All right. Toby, let's hear your number nine. Uh, my number nine is Tick, Tick, Boom. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Zay, let's hear yours. I love that we went through our tens. It's fine. And now nine is decimated. It, it just it Because begins. I'm pretty sure it's going to die again. Because my number nine is the father. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, so going on to my number eight. Um, I think I'll be the only one that has it. But there's a chance. It is from Oscar Farhadi, a hero. Okay. So um, no surprise that this one was going to end up on my list. Um, It was definitely my most, probably my most anticipated of the year. Um, If you like, if you enjoy Oscar Farhadi films, there's probably a strong chance you're going to enjoy this one. It's the story of Rahim. Um, He's just getting out of prison and he has an opportunity to pay his bond um, 
but he has to basically convince his creditor to um, give him the payment. And they have a lot of beef. Um, what happens is that Raheem is involved in this kind of plot to um, earn another plot. His girlfriend comes across some gold bars in a bag, um, picks it up, swoops it up, and they're going to use it for the bail bond. They have a conscience, but at least, and they, they don't go through with that. They end up returning it, but at least to this huge media news story um, that kind of takes some really unexpected directions. Um, Christian texted me like, as he was watching this, it was like all this over a bag. And, <laughs> but I, I think even, you know, Christian saw like, that's what I love about this filmmaker is that things that seem so simple on the surface he can wield a story and, and tell a story like no other and make it seem far more extraordinary than it should be, but also so realistic. Um, a couple of really good performances here. Amir Jadidi as the lead character. Um, I also want to mention, let me find, uh, Sahar Goldust uh, plays his sister, and I thought she was pretty fantastic as well. It's not going to be on the level of something like a separation, but we really should stop comparing all of his films to a separation because that's an unrealistic comparison. Um, Farhadi continues to be just one of the absolute best filmmakers working today. And I was glued to the screen every minute of this movie. Um, I fortunately got to see it in a theater, but it is on Prime Video now. So you can check it out there if you have a subscription there. I liked it. And you know what? I like most of his movies. A separation is like masterpiece right no it was good and yeah i i did like that it is just an incident with a bag that goes out of control for one man i loved it it was my number 11 it was so close nice but no cigar (laughs) i i agree with the the very the, the the he he perfects melodrama so well to a point where Every every small detail is important, mm-hmm. and that's what I really love about his films. Definitely. Yes. Oh, I, don't, I have nothing to add personally. <laughs> I did not like it. I just we don't need to shame on the podcast, <laughs> but we love him. <laughs> I get Toby's firsthand reactions, so. I will say I was not a huge fan of Farhadi's last film. I will say everybody knows. So this was kind of a return to form for me. Oh, see, I liked that one. I liked it. It was fine. I, I didn't dislike it. it. Yes. I liked it, but I wouldn't, I, I have not felt the need to see it again. Yeah. You know what? A separation. Where's my criterion of that? Ooh, true. Truly. I would shell out for our Farhadi collection. Absolutely. Arian. All right. Christian, let's hear your number eight. What do we? Oh, eight. Okay. My, King Richard. Evil dies tonight. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Toby. Uh, my number eight happens to be a Quiet Place Part Two. Um, so this takes place like right after the events of the first movie. Um, I was just a really big fan of it. You know, the pre the opening scene is really great. It, it's kind of like a 
a flashback to the beginning. Um, I don't know. I was just, I just thought this was like a more intense version of the last movie, a little creates a wider, wider world for what a quiet place is. Um, everybody's great here, especially like the son, I forget his name. No, would you? No, would you? He gets a little bit of a, a few moments that are like expand his character a little bit. Millicent Simmons is always great in both or She's great in both of these. And so, yeah, it's just a nice, fun um, horror movie that has a really great story and world and creatures and scares and whatever. So, yeah. This is like this is like a movie that because it's it's getting a franchise and I think the next yeah. one is a spinoff and stuff mm-hmm. that I actually would want to see another family which is what they're doing go through the events of this because like Toby said the beginning of this where you see the events of day one happen that was a great scene altogether like that genuinely terrified us when we saw this in the theater and again we saw this at home so I really liked it too yeah. The opening scene surprised me because I was of the mind going in that like I didn't want to see what happened because what I loved about the first one is that we didn't know they were just kind of there. But the way they pulled off the opening scene was pretty awesome. And so it it it, it changed my mind. Um, Killian Murphy is awesome. I'm glad he's part of this franchise now. And I'm glad they gave more development to Noah Jupe's character in this one because I feel like he was the one that didn't get quite as much in the first one even though I yeah. love the first one. So. It's like all the members of the family, you can't help but like care like care about these characters. So, I just like I just like that a lot when movies man it create those moments. Yeah. Friend. Right. Well, I liked it. I have nothing to add. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was just like it's a movie. I... Oh, I didn't know if you'd I honestly, oh no, I didn't know if you'd seen it or not. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The only thing I thought of, and it got me a little sad, I was like, oh, that was like when theaters were opening up again. We were all mm-hmm. like, oh, the movies are back. And now we're just like, movies are still here, I guess. What, do we want to go see them? I don't know. Yeah. Pretty sure that was my first movie post-vaccine. So, you Remember how busy it was when we saw it? Yeah, it was pretty yeah. busy. Okay, my number eight. Because, you know, I would describe A Quiet Place Part Two as Shakespearean. And I would name this movie as Shakespearean as well. It's The Tragedy of Macbeth. Wow. <laughs> Directed by Joel Cohen. Um, I'm actually, Shakespeare's always been like this weird point for me because, you know, I, I was an English major in college and we had to learn Shakespeare. And every time we had to read Shakespeare, I was like, I don't want to read this man's work. And I later on, people who love Shakespeare did describe it better to me that I was like, you're not really supposed to enjoy reading it. You're supposed to enjoy seeing it performed. And finally, I've seen this film that I'm like, oh, I fucking get it. Like, I don't get it because I don't understand half the fucking words they were saying, but I fucking loved it regardless. And um, I don't know, it's Macbeth. A man goes fucking crazy with power to make sure he stays in power even though he can't have a child and that's it's it's a lot 
Um, I think Denzel Washington gives a great performance. Uh, Francis McDormand gives a great performance. My favorite performance is Catherine Hunter, who plays the witches. And found out she plays the old man as well. I did not know this. Um, so she's fantastic. I wish she was part of like any awards conversation because that's the kind of perform like supporting performance i would love to see get more love and attention but um and the fucking set pieces are incredible i don't they don't even look like real places like i don't know how they made them i love it and um it's all gray and foggy it's just very dreamlike and the fact that people are talking in a way it takes me a minute to process really dives deep into this like dreaminess of it all and yeah, I've just never really enjoyed Shakespeare to this degree before. So I found the film to be pretty special to me. Um, as a person that should probably watch more Shakespeare-related things, but it's fine. This is Baby's First Shakespeare, and I really enjoyed it. I got to see it in the theater. It's not Baby's First Shakespeare. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, past the Romeo and Juliet's and like, whatever. I love it. Um, it's in my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, didn't expect to love it. Uh, possibly, probably the most well-shot movie of the year. Um, kind of love how Dudley Dursley has become a Coen Brothers staple now uh, going forward. That That's kind of cool. But yeah, performances are great. Um, probably like most Shakespeare adaptations I really love are like not direct Shakespeare. They're like The Lion King or Ron or... West Side Story. This might be my favorite direct adaptation of Shakespeare I've seen. So you forgot High School Musical. High School Musical, classic. Being based off of. That's also Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like how like gothic and dark it is. It's almost like they were like, it's Shakespeare. But what if we pretended Edgar Allan Poe also had a hand in this? <laughs> Brett really said, uh, fuck uh, Henry V. Fuck Henry V. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I really like Denzel in this. I thought he did a good job. Um, most of the cast did, yeah. It's kind of amazing, too, that we went from, like, Dune having, like, the best cinematography of the year and everybody talking about that to then suddenly, like, this comes out and every, it starts winning every cinematography award, and rightfully so, you know. But, yeah, I mean, i like to see it again. I know a little bit about Macbeth going in, so I was able to understand the majority of it, but it is that it's the Shakespearean language. So sometimes if you like you lost track, I really lost track. Yeah. I saw it in the theater, so I want to rewatch it with subtitles. Same. Yeah. Because we saw we saw it on a screener. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, I liked it. I mean I appreciate. Um, like I've been seeing like Twitter comparing shots from Tragedy of Macbeth to like what is it like German expression? Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of cool. Like the way that the way that it's shot is really cool. Like I can think of like a couple of shots that are like in my head, like um, for sure. And the cinematography is really nice. I mean, it's not my favorite of the year personally, but it is very nice cinematography. And Denzel is great. I hope he get you know he should get nominated for it. So. Absolutely. All right. So now going on to number seven. Don't think I'm going to get to talk about this one yet. It is West Side Story. 
evil dies tonight. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christian. My number seven in the heights. Evil dies tonight. Oh, three times in a row. <laughs> oh my god. My <laughs> turn. No pressure. Um, my number seven, right? Is the Matrix Re- Resurrections. Ooh. Okay. So the Matrix Resurrections is the fourth Matrix movie. Um, it was. It's sort of like a um. Return to Neo and Trinity, um, because personally, I didn't find that the original trilogy ends very well for them. It doesn't like give you a definitive conclusion, spoiler alert, but this sort of picks off from there. You're left kind of questioning what's going on at the beginning. Um, I didn't find it confusing at all, personally. Um, I do like, it had some commentary about like um, sequels and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to give away too much because it it is like something that it sort of unravels as it goes along. Um, Keanu's great in it. Um, Carrie Ann Moss is great. Even like Neil Patrick Harris is added here and his character um, sort of unravels a little bit and you kind of, he's a, he's a bigger role than um, what I think you see. Um, I just really like this one because it, I, I, like I said, I feel like it really gives you like this, this continuation of what's happened in the original trilogy. And I feel like it's really, really necessary. Um, and I love that uh, was it Lana got to make this based on something that happened to her um, and kind of ruminate on something. I think it was the passing of her father. Um, and she wanted to do that, but her sister was like, took it a different way. So it's like the creation of this movie is based on something that um, affected her in a different way than her sister, which is awesome. One of my favorites. And The Matrix is one of my favorites. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with it too. And then like, you know, the fanboys have to be like, you can tell that this was just made because of the money, but shut up. It was good. Like Toby said, it gives a definite ending to like Neo's story, but you know, there could always be sequels, who knows. Um, But this was on HBO Max. I was just going to say that, but I think it expired a couple days ago. So, but it'll it'll probably be on there eventually. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I liked it. It was fun. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed it too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say like, and the whole thing of um, Morpheus being replaced. I mean, it's not replaced. There's a, there's Mm -hmm. a whole. (laughs) Yeah. I really enjoyed the direction it took. It it takes on IP in the way that Space Jam could never. Um, And I, yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I had a lot of fun. Um, This is one that's like two hours and 30 minutes and 1000% did not feel that long to me. Uh, Mm. I think Keanu Reeves is pretty underrated in the movie. Like I, I think this is a pretty good performance from him as well as Jessica Henwick. I really liked her in this movie too. Um, Kind of as a new character. So yeah, really fun. I wish all blockbuster sequels had the kind of depth and ideas that this one does. So yes, it definitely does have a lot of um, depth and, it's like a blockbuster type feeling movie, but like this story about like um, finding what you're really looking for. Perfect. 
Zay, what do you got for number seven? Well, you could say The Matrix is a story about humanity. My number seven has nothing to do with humanity because there are no humans in this film. It is Gunda, a documentary about a family of pigs. And that's it. There's no narrative. It's just a camera following around this family of pigs. And sometimes we see some other animals on the farm. But the main story is about the pigs. Um, I don't know how to talk about this movie other than you just see a lot of footage of pigs. And it was really nice. And I saw this one in the theater. It was one of the first movies I got to see in the theater um, when I, you know, everything opened back up. Um, and it got to be just very meditative and just like, you know, watching just pigs move around and just like starting to think about, I don't know. I love to go to the movie theater just to think about things. So I like to see a very quiet movie when I go to the theater um, so I can just think about things. And this movie really did that for me to the point that I'm, I was not, I was completely sober. However, I have certain mental issues, I'm sure, where I was just like, I can't tell how much time has passed with this movie. What if I've just been here for hours and hours and I'm gonna be here for more hours and I'll never know. And I kind of tripped myself out because then I had to pull my phone out to make check the time. Um, then I came down. But yes, it was very hypnotic in that way, I think. And I don't, I don't know if anyone else would have the same experience I had with this film. I just really liked it. It, it, it was a documentary in the way that the camera was there to actually get real life because it's so minimally edited. But there's a point to the film as well, but I don't want, I hate to call it a spoiler, all I can say is Joaquin Phoenix produced the film and we know how Joaquin Phoenix is, is with animal rights. And I think there was, that was the true purpose of making the film. So yeah, Gunda, a very, a very good documentary about some pigs. You like pigs, don't you? I like pigs. You'll see how much I like pigs. Actually, I remember, I haven't seen this one, um, but I remember first hearing about it and I, literally thought that looks like a movie they would love <laughs> i love pigs pigs are the reason i started going vegetarian honestly because i was like they're so smart i can't eat a pig it's too smart all right going on to my number six um have to say about this one this is a weird one because it did appear on my 2020 list um my research at the time was wrong because I saw it in January, 2021, thinking it got a release. I guess it never did. And I found that out because I started seeing people throughout the year, put it on their 2021 list. And I was like, Oh, whoops. So I could have skipped over it, but I also think it's one that isn't still isn't very well seen. It's identifying features. Um, so yeah, I won't, I won't explain it too much because you can always go back and listen to that episode, but, um, film from Mexico, uh, directed by Fernando Valadez, uh, outstanding cinematography, um, really just a, a film that's kind of like a constant journey, um, both literally, literally and figuratively for 
the main character and off on the side, though we don't see it, her son as well. Um, but I, yeah, it's really worth checking out. I just really wish knowing that this was one that could have been eligible for like best international film this year. I wish it's one that was getting more attention because it, it just takes some really interesting directions, um, almost mythic in some ways. And it's just absolutely beautiful. So um, I think it, it's available to rent. I don't think it's free anywhere, um, like any streaming sites, but very much worth checking out. I'm sure lo- a lot of local libraries would have it too. So, Which is where I found it. I found it at the local library. Nice. Wrong. Oh, no, I already looked. We don't have it. But I did watch it and I did enjoy it. I I was really taken by the image of uh, the devil dancing in the fire. Yes. That was really good. Yeah. One of my favorite shots of, of this year. So. All right. Christian, you're number six. Mine is Parallel Mothers. Okay, nobody. Cool. All right. <clears throat> Ahora diré mi reseña completa en español. Madres Paralales es una película de Almodóvar sobre dos madres que comparten el parto juntas y des- desarrollan una amistad a pesar de un secreto que comparten sobre sus hijos. And I just loved it very much. Okay, so for those of you... <laughs> who don't want to go through all that translation. It is the newest film by renowned director Pedro Almodovar, starring Penelope Cruz, Milena Smith, as two women who encounter one another whilst giving birth. They're parallel mothers. They meet in the maternity ward. So they just share, you know, what's what got them there, kind of their little fears or anxious to it all. And then they part ways for a bit Um, after having their daughters and then they meet up again and secrets start to unravel I won't say what secrets because my god Almodovar knows how to do it let's just say that Um, it shook me a lot and Toby too because we were both like what the fuck go into this movie really not knowing anything except that much Penelope is great in this Milena Smith is great in this most of well yeah most of the Almodovar movies that I've seen I really really enjoyed um and this is one I I was really looking forward to we were fortunate enough to get a screener to it because it hasn't premiered I mean as of this recording has not premiered in town yet in the Kansas City Metro so yeah um Parallel Mothers it's amazing it is coming to my town this weekend and I'm excited to rewatch it um I really liked it I mean, listen, if it has Almodovar directing Penelope Cruz, French kiss, Mm. French kiss, whatever, chef's kiss. (laughs) You know what's really good about this, too, is like um, I noticed this time the production design of it. And I don't know if he's using because I think he used his own uh, apartment for the last one he did with Antonio Banderas. Mm. What was that called? What was that? Glory. Eating glory, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of reds in this, and he does that a lot. Because if you look, I literally made a list of all the movies that he's directed, and all the posters are red and stuff, and there's just something so sexy about red, and like I don't know, Spain red, sexy Penelope Cruz, it's good shit. Okay. I mean, I agree with everything that you both have said. 
Penelope's great. The way that the story unfolds, um, it definitely keeps you guessing and definitely keeps you shocked. And um, yeah, just really good. And Brett, did you get to see it? I did not. I did not. Um, what I actually, happened? <clears throat> the link expired. Um, <laughs> I was moving. Um, but I was, no, actually I, I was actually surprised it expired. Those things never really do. Yeah, I, I was pretty upset. Um, but I was actually going to mention this to, to both Christian and Toby. I'm pretty sure this is going to Screenland this weekend. So I won't be able to see it this weekend, but hopefully next week or at some point go up to KC see this movie. Um, cause it's my Hi. number. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Would y'all <laughs> like to go? If, yeah. We'll have to work that Maybe. out. I'd see it again, <laughs> but this is my top film from 2021 that I haven't seen yet that I want to see. So mm. looking forward to it. Oh, and Spain didn't uh, submit it for their international feature because they don't, they hate Almodovar. They, yeah. Because they did that when talk to her came out and they're just like, eh, you want it once you're fine. Spain hates Almodovar. France hates Celine Siama. So, all right. Toby, let's hear your number six. Uh, my number six is Encanto. You will die tonight. Oh. All right, Zay. Number six is a film that I saw more than any other film the last year. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. It became a comfort film for me, and it also became a film that I had to show all my friends and be like, you have to see this, because it's insane, and it's just perfectly on my wavelength. It is Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Um, it's just one of those movies that's just, you got a new joke every three seconds. You got to keep up. And if you didn't like the last joke, don't worry, the next joke's coming. And I just... I don't know. Again, I saw, I think I saw it four times last year and that's not, that's pretty rare for me. I don't like to rewatch films that consecutively, but I just, I love the colors of it. The fact that the LA film critics gave it the award for best um, production design. I love that um because i agree it has some great songs i would because that's what pisses me off that this should be in the best song category for the oscars because this year it's kind of weak looking um once again hell it could have gone last year too because it was like released for like the last oscars in that window stupid but great songs in there um and what's his name from jamie dornan yeah, him. He's great in this. This is where I believed in him as an actor now. I'm like, oh, he can be in comedies. Just let him be funny. He's hilarious. And of course, Kristen Wiig. And and the other person that wrote Bridesmaids. I'm so sorry. Um, Amy Mumolo. Thank you, Brett. Yeah. Oh, Brett just has love. <laughs> um just great you can tell that they just love the, the script they worked with and they're probably coming up with shit on the fly so quickly i loved it and of course the mvp of 2021 trish <laughs> honestly should host the oscars agreed is that it yeah i i was just gonna say trish 
Um, that's all that needs to be said. So no, I, I, uh, I, I think I've enjoyed this film more that I've been removed from it. Um, so I think I gave it like three and a half stars, but it's one I do want to watch again. Cause when I think about it, I just kind of chuckle to myself. Um, so I, I do need to watch again and see if the jokes land even more. It's one that definitely, I think we both need to see again. Um, it, it kind of made me feel the first time, like I did with bridesmaids where I was like, eh, it's not that funny. It's overrated, whatever. But then the second, third time I've seen bridesmaids, I loved it. So maybe it'll feel the same way. But I, will say, I, I, I like super, like on my personal ballots, I'm pretty sure I have it on there for production and costumes. Cool lots. Cool lots. I think it's, it's I still definitely. So what is a cool lot still? Because I hear it on the Golden Girls all the time, and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pant. It's a short pant. Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, I, I, I agree with that. I think it was the more I watch it, the more I'm like, oh my god, this joke's coming up, and I'm just excited about the next joke coming. So I think yeah, it it does reward future viewings because then I'm like also noticing a couple things here and there that they like come back to it's just a fun little quirky film I had, and I think it's my favorite like straight comedy that's been out in a long time maybe since Bridesmaids wow alright we're moving into our top five I'll kick us off here one that may pop up elsewhere my number five is Pig Evil Dies Tonight okay all right. Wow. All Christian. right. Oh, it's me. Hey, what's up? All right. Number five. Tick, tick, boom. Okay. And Toby, where was it placed on yours? Uh, mine was placed at number nine. Okay. There you go. So now we can both talk about it. So Tick, Tick, Boom is the feature film debut, directorial debut of Lin-Manuel Miranda. He finally made a movie. Um, but it tells the story of... Jonathan Larson, essentially the creator of Rent um, and turning 30 and his life navigating the ups and downs of him wanting to make it in the business of show, particularly a Broadway show played wonderfully by Andrew Garfield. Um, I really loved it. And this is on Netflix. It's a Netflix original movie. We got the good chance, though, to see it in a theater and that was like the best decision I think we made theater wise all year. Um, just great. I really loved everything about it. I thought Lynn did a great job directing this. It has some fun moments, especially the Sunday dinner diner scene with just like a bunch of shit ton of cameos. And that was super hard to watch in the theater because I turned to Toby most of the time. I was like, look who it is, look who it is, look who it is, look who it is. And he's just like, who, who, oh, oh. And I'm like, God, who it is. But yeah, if you're a big Broadway geek, you'll really appreciate it. And again, Andrew is amazing in this. And yeah, and it's super inspiring too. I don't know, just seeing that Jonathan Larson was 30 and slowly around him, his world was crashing down. He's losing friends, losing family members. And then things started turning up, but we don't know that part yet. He may have found a way to pay last year's rent dish. Okay. And amazingly enough, uh, I don't like Rent, so. Hmm. But I liked this, and he also wrote it. This is like his one-man show way before he wrote Rent. So, 
Yeah, tick, tick, boom. That's my thoughts. Toby, what do you think? It's number nine for you. Yes, I also really enjoyed it, um, which was kind of surprising. I actually didn't even know it was a musical before we watched it, which, you know, anyway. Um, I like that Andrew Garfield doesn't, he gives you who Jonathan Larson was in a way that tells you what motivated him in his life. Um, you get a real sense for who he was, what motivated him, like I said, um, in that moment in his life. It's not like some sort of like biopic that just gives you like facts. <clears throat> I also really like um, Robin De Jesus. He is my personal supporting actor winner at the moment. Um, just a really good performance there. Really like the Sunday diner scene as well. Just a really good movie. And Definitely also, check it out. Also features Bradley Woodford as Stephen Sondheim. It's like a spot on version of Stephen Sondheim. And Sondheim himself. <laughs> his last thing, which before he passed away, when we saw this, I even knew that it was Sondheim on the phone. Because knowing Sondheim's voice, I'm like, bitch, that's Sondheim. So cute little thing there did you two see it yes did you love it yes <laughs> i did really like it i i you i mean i don't have much to add what you uh, but i also thought vanessa hudgens also had a very good i thought she did very well in the, the her role as well yes yeah oh, girlfriend was his girlfriend oh alexandra ship yes yeah he did yeah uh, vanessa hudgens one of my favorite sequences in the film is the therapy song um, that he does with Vanessa Hudgens and like the way they emote during that it, it's electric um, but no I really enjoyed it as well um, I really like how it doesn't descend into being the story of how he wrote Rent because um, we don't really need to know that um, th this is the story of, of someone who who fails um, and it, it's kind of refreshing in a way um, and I, I think a lot of people connect to it because of that um, but no Andrew Garfield most likely is going to get nominated for best actor. And that is going to redeem the Hacksaw Ridge nomination, which is great. So oh, <laughs> you mean the silence nomination? I wish still my favorite Garfield. See, I will say this. If it wasn't for like the whole year thing with the Oscars last year and personal awards, he would be winning for me. But because of that, like Anthony Hopkins is my personal winner. But like Andrew Garfield's a very close second. Yeah. Controversial statement for Toby because coming <laughs> up. <laughs> All right. Zay Latier, you're number five. No, it's Toby. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I forgot you talked about Tick Tick Boom. My bad. Um, so going from your number two best actor. My number two best actor of the year in King Richard. That's my number five. Um, starring Will Smith as Richard Williams. I should have knew that. Um, anyway, uh, so King Richard is the story of Richard Williams and his daughters, Venus and Serena. Um, it tells the whole story of them going from playing in neighborhood tennis courts all the way through their first, all the way through Venus's first um, kind of match on the national stage. Uh, Will Smith obviously gives a really great performance here that I enjoyed a lot, but 
the performance here that I think is like, I think it's the performance of the year for me, like overall leading and supporting Anjanu Ellis as the mother. Um, she has several scenes that just, I keep, I keep thinking about um, since I've seen this, we had the fortunate to be able to see it like before anybody else in theaters, it was on HBO Max. Um, hopefully it'll be back on HBO Max, but I just really was, it's a movie that I was not expecting to like so much because it's about tennis. And it's like, I don't really watch, I don't ever watch tennis. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it was kind of weird for me, but I'm trying to gather my thoughts, but yeah, I just really enjoyed this one um, from the start to the finish. This is my number eight also, just by the way. So yeah, number eight, King Richard. Um, I still don't know anything about tennis. All right. When we, I don't know how it's played. Yeah, when we went to go see it, it was a critic screening and they were like, you know, only one guest allowed. And Brett's been to these things where it's been that case. Like, you know, only one guest. And uh, it was like a 200 seat theater. And there was one, two, three, four, there's five of us. So yeah, I could have brought more than a guest. Anyway, I really would have liked to have seen this with like a big crowd, um, especially like a rowdy crowd of white people, because they're the type who, who would be like, yeah, get it. Yeah, you got it. Again, during the last tennis scenes, I have no idea what's going on. I don't even know how you play or win through tennis, like watching it the twice that we saw it. I'm like, yeah, girl, I believe in you. I'm assuming you're doing good because they're cheering for you and you look happy. Couldn't tell you a thing about tennis. The movie is so fucking uplifting. I don't know. It's it's a sports movie that I like. Yeah. That, I don't know. And Will Smith's good. Um, the mother is good. The girls are good in this too. Like everybody's just good in this movie. And it kind of sucks that it went straight to HBO because it would have been one of those like October, November releases that everybody saw and like word of mouth. And, yeah. But, you know, that's his life right now. Yeah. It definitely and would have been a hit pre-COVID. Yeah, I think so. Um, in the song at the end, they play it during the credits. The Beyonce song in this is pretty great. I, I like, love the Beyonce. I like the, the beat of it. Yeah. That's all I got. I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard the Beyonce song. I've seen it. I don't have much to add. Um, Will Smith, he's him and Jada, they coming for his Oscar. <laughs> I just really hope that Beyonce gets the nomination and then Jay-Z gets the nomination for his song because I really want to see that just because that's never happened before. I want to see husband and wife competing for the same Oscar. And no, then it goes to the, the third Billie part, Eilish. Probably. <laughs> oh, I've got an aneurysm thinking of that. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for Zay's number five. Um, it's the moment we've all been waiting for, specifically Christian. Oh, geez. Can I leave? I guess. I don't want you to just be making faces the whole time. <laughs> oh, oh, just for that comment alone? <laughs> Go. <laughs> Can I mute you? Uh, sure. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'll mute myself. You can just watch the face. <laughs> um, so my number five is uh, the number five for Christian's worst of the year list. It is Titan, uh, directed by Julia Ducarno, who directed the wonderful film Raw that I really loved from 2017, 
yeah, something like that. And so it was a film I was very much looking forward to. Um, and I saw it in like the dirtiest fucking theater in all of Indianapolis, um, which was apt. Um, and it was just a very grody theater. There's the sticky floor. Um, my seat yeah. had a bunch of patches in it. Um, anyway, um, I I love this movie. I it has a lot. It has a lot going on. There's like, I I the thing I took the most away from it was the body horror of it all, and how it was through the spectra, spectrum of gender, um, of how the main character which is hard to figure out what gender, because the beginning we're like, oh, this is a young woman, but then she goes undercover as this person's son, and you're just like, um, but she's pregnant the whole time too. So you're just like, pregnant with what may be a car baby, but that could also not actually be a car baby. This could all be in her mind. And I just think it's the, the horrors of your body while, I mean, I'm thinking of it as a very much my own perspective as a non-binary person of just like certain parts of my body are doing something that I don't see reflected in myself happening in a very horrific fashion in this horror film. And I found that to be, I found the very visceral images, especially like the oil leaking out of her body. And I, there's like even more to the movie though. There's like the fact that she's a terrible person who murders people and then disguises herself as this guy's son. And he's just like, I'm fine with that. I'm a lonely little old shit. Just make sure I don't kill myself, I guess. And I don't know, I just, the movie didn't make me feel good, and that's why I loved it. Uh, yeah, before Christian jumps in there, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, no, I I think the performances are pretty great, um, both uh, Agatha Rizel, um and Vincent Linden. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed their dynamic. Christian, I got to call out one thing you said in your in your review. I was going to say at the time, but I saved it. You mentioned the the actors do nothing. And in the very next sentence, you said one of them fucks a car. And I was just like, <laughs> that's doing nothing. I'm sorry. When did Meryl Streep fuck a car? <laughs> when did Catherine Hepburn fuck a car? No, but many times you just never saw it. <laughs> I actually saw this in a, a decent size crowd for what I was expecting. I think there were 15 other people, which isn't a ton, but for this movie, I, I thought it kind of was. It was an AMC. Um, and I I was expecting more like visceral to see and hear more visceral reactions, but nobody walked out, which is kind of cool. So uh no, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I think there's a lot you can unpack um in the different directions it takes. So there was three other people in my screening. I, I looked at them and I was like, oh, you guys have letterbox too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, I think there was quite a few people in ours, but 
okay i was i was not a fan of this either i mean i liked where it was going if when it started um but i i will say before christian starts <laughs> that this i can appreciate this movie for being something that starts conversations like this because everybody sees movies differently <laughs> right christian this is true <laughs> This movie <laughs> reminded me at the time I needed to get an oil change. God. Oh. I have no, well, the most I could take away from this is that after we saw it, I told all of our coworkers the plot in detail. I got the reaction that you would get when you start the movie of, she fucks a car and it goes from there. I, I have nothing to say that it hasn't already been said, except y'all need Jesus. <laughs> That's it. I got plenty of Jesus growing up. That's why I'm <laughs> fucked up now. <laughs> the French are yeah. just the French are funny people. <laughs> All right. I've seen better. I've if Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy would have <laughs> fucked in that car. Oh God. Stop. I would have appreciated that more than this. Stop. I, I have nothing to respond to that. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. So. Fred, Fred, go, go. Yes. Uh, going on to my number four. This is going to be a bit controversial. Um, oh, God. What more? Probably not amongst you all, but outside. Uh, it is Bo Burnham's Inside. Oh, honorable mm. mention for me. Yes. I included this on my films list for a couple reasons. One, because I think it is like, maybe cinematic's not the right word, but there are a lot of just like film aspects that go into it. And two, because it's my fucking list. Um, and I wanted to. So... Um, Bo Burnham inside. I I've always enjoyed Bo Burnham. Um, I, I'm definitely I've not been like a super fan who's like listened to all his albums, and whatnot, but I've definitely seen all of his specials. This is his latest that he made um at the beginning, um, or near the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and basically just kind of captures how he feels or not. Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, and that's what I love about it. Um, within his home um, during quarantine. And he does it almost entirely through song. Uh, I, I absolutely adore a lot of the songs um, throughout this. Welcome to the internet is like terrifying in a weird way um, with everything that he addresses in that song. Um, How the world works is, is like hilarious and dark at the same time with, with his buddy Sako buddy. That's probably not the right term. Um, but the favorite, and this is so cliche, but the white woman's Instagram still makes me laugh. Um, and I just think it's such a fun, like tune. That's very easy to sing along with, but sexting's hilarious. Um, he's got some really like kind of downer, but also funny songs like 30. And it's just a collection of, of songs that he puts together, but he adds in the visual elements. Like the album, to this film is 
fantastic, but it's not complete unless you watch the visuals that go along with it. And I think he makes some really interesting choices. He's doing different things with every song he sings. Sometimes he tones it down to just him and a guitar. Sometimes he does it in the dark with like spotlights and different lenses and costumes. Um, sometimes he strips down to his underwear and that's all he's got. But um, I, I mean, I will address, you know, obviously this is his story. He's, you know, person that is, is you know, very privileged. And so he has different things that he is going to have access to in quarantine that many others didn't. So I, I really don't think this should be taken as a universal reflection on what it was like to be in quarantine. I think it should be a reflection on Bo Burnham in quarantine. And I think that's just as beautiful. Um, it's really, this is, I think it did hit us, you know, hit a key with a lot of people in the way they were feeling, but it's also very, very personal. Um, and so, yeah, I, I loved it. I watched it three times. I've listened to the songs quite a bit. Um, and it just really struck a chord with me. I really liked it too. Like loved it, loved it. Um, no, all the songs are great. My personal favorite is How the World Works. Like you said, it's dark, twisted, funny with the, the sock puppet. And of course, White Woman's Instagram. Like who doesn't love that? Because it's all true. <laughs> but creative, 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 creative. That's all I can say. Um, I also enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, like you said, Brett, it's just like one example of what it was like to be in quarantine for however long. I mean, it, it, it's a fun idea to do. And I wish like more, it, like more people had done something like this. And the songs are great. How the World Works is my favorite too. Yep. I liked it. I like right. Bo Burnham. I th I've started to question my relationship with Bo Burnham as I've also grown up, as he is growing up. Because mm -hmm. I, di I didn't watch his YouTube, but I go back to Zach Stone is going to be famous, which is mm -hmm. a short-lived MTV show. Um, and I've been a fan of his since then. But Inside didn't hit me like it hit everyone else. So now I'm like, is it me? Is it him? Is it both? I don't know. But I didn't dislike it. I just, it just didn't hit me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think to me too, it was, it was kind of a nice turn just because he's, and he talks about this in it, you know, he hasn't done shows in a while. He hasn't really done comedy. He's been directing and acting, um, which I love. Fire. So, What's that? Well, he even said he was retiring from comedy. Right, like right. Quarantine basically made him create it again. Yeah, yeah. But yes. Uh, perfect. Christian, let's hear your number four. My number four. Let me just see where it's on yours. Where it's on yours. Oh, uh, number six. Okay, cool. So my number four is Encanto. Toby's. Number six. Is number six for Encanto. Yeah. So this one just uh, came out, really. And you can see it on Disney+. Plus. Oh, and Bo Burnham's Inside, you can see it on Netflix. Mm, yes. Okay, Encanto story about a family who all possess magical powers through the uh, gift that was placed on them and their house in Colombia, except for one member of the family. 
um, she Mirabelle and she sort of sets off to discover like was there a reason behind all of that is there a reason why now the house is having issues where the magic seems to be maybe losing its power with everybody and everybody's having their own internal conflicts um, especially her because again she doesn't have any magic but it is a Disney fair so it's also a musical the song every nobody uh, what god i should know this oh my god we don't talk about bruno everybody's talking about bruno <laughs> we don't talk about bruno is like the number one disney song now it passed let it go and if y'all know let it goes rise to power like it, that's a big deal and Disney not putting it out there for any nominations. They're just kicking themselves even further. Anyway, I really loved it. I love anything that has to do with like Disney doing their representation. Although this is directed by some white people. Story-wise though, I think there was a few um, Hispanic Latinos on there. The cast, of course, mainly. I mean, you have Stephanie Beatrice, who's great in this. And honestly, every time she talks, I don't remember it's her because I'm so used to her from like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is deep voice. And then she's like in this and in the Heights. I was like, what the hell? And then uh, John Leguizamo, just a great cast. It's fun. It's like, I don't know. It really touched me because you have like a big family like I do. Everybody has their own special unique gifts in your families. And I don't know. I, I loved it. I super loved it. I saw it twice, once in theaters. Uh, and then with my parents who they liked it too. And my dad is a Spanish teacher. And I think he's going to show it eventually because yeah. But that's Encanto. And Brett, Brett saw Coco with me. So he knows my love for these types of movies. And Toby watches Coco with me every year. He knows. And I make Zay know this every single day. I love Coco. You better. Yes. <clears throat> and what number was it for you, Toby? Uh, yeah. So Encanto was at number six, six. for me. So um, and another thing I like about Encanto is I've been seeing like a lot of stuff especially on TikTok, but there's like a lot of details in Encanto. Like if you watch it, there's like small little details and um, some are more obvious, but it's definitely like a movie that um, I like the dynamic between the characters and it's definitely one of the most more original ones that they've done recently. I think the score is great. Obviously the songs are great. I like that it doesn't, it doesn't go out far like there's the whole scene where she's like i have to find a way to save the magic and you're like all right where's she going and then she stops and like oh how do i start and it's literally the action takes place within and around the house and that's it we don't have to go on a magical quest anywhere to the outside world and there's no prince and there's no like damsel in distress she doesn't have a sidekick i mean you think that you're gonna get like a bird and then the bird flies away it just it's mirabelle and that's it. She's on her own. She got to figure out the clues. She got to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, I, I think this is the, the type of animated movie I'd like to see Disney continue to keep making, obviously for representation purposes, but it's just really fun and very colorful and vibrant. Um, and obviously the songs are good. I just, I really like all the different side characters. Um, is Louisa the really strong sister? Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I love her. I, I think she's great and hilarious. Um, I definitely needed more Antonio as well. Um, cause he comes in, obviously he's cute as hell, but, um, no, it's a lot of fun and, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. When Titan, the Titanic appeared in the movie, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. 
<laughs> the Titanic. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Toby, let's hear your number four. Um, going from that to In the Heights. Um, Evil dies tonight. Didn't you have it early? I know. It's, <laughs> it's my number You seven. have it twice? No. <laughs> right. You broke the rules. It's my Anyways. number seven. <laughs> you probably describe it better than me, but... I could. Um, so I, it's starring Anthony Ramos as Usnavi, who's a bodega owner in the Heights. Um, it was a, like a bureau of New York, right? Washington Heights. Washington Heights. Nice. Bureau of New York. Um, kind of the main framing thing is this lottery ticket that's kind of floating around. Nobody knows who won. Um, it's in the heat, the height of the summer, so there's a lot of uh, heat going on. Uh, it also stars Olga Meredith, who uh, is also plays the role on the stage version. Um, that's my favorite part of this. Um, the her performance in this is one of my favorites of the year. If like, I didn't think Anjanu Ellis was like the performance of the year. This is like my number two. The scene Pacentia Faye is like one of the best of the year too. Um, yeah, I just love this one because of the songs and the, the visuals are really great. I like the bright colors of it. Um, and the, the choreography is good. Take it away, Christian. I'm sure you have more to add. Yes, okay. <clears throat> I've been waiting for this movie since the Broadway show came out. So like what, 2007, eight. Uh, also Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote this along with, I want to get her name right. Hey, he wrote the music and lyrics. This was like his first on Broadway show uh, along with blah, blah, blah. Kiara uh, Alegria Hughes, who also wrote this. So they co-wrote it. Um, but no, so like I said, I've been waiting for this. It's a great musical. The cast is stacked. There's some now names in it, like uh, names, 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 names. The new girl in Scream. What's her Melissa, name? Melissa Barrera. Melissa, Melissa Barra. Yeah, she's in Scream now. Leslie Grace is also very good in this. We have Daphne Rubin Vega from Rent fame, like way back in the day. Jimmy Smits, uh, Corey Hawkins is in this. Stephanie Beatrice. Daisha Polanco from Orange is New Black. And like Toby said, Olga Meredith as Abuela Claudia, who like, fuck her scene. Cause she gets one great song. And it's like, I learned that. It, I watched, I, we've seen this, what, three times now? Something like that. I listened to that song constantly that I learned it. And there's so much power in that, that where is like, where's the Oscar campaign for her alone? And like one, like people can do one scenes and get nominated. Like there's all this fucking talk about Bradley Cooper getting a nomination for pizza licorice. And yet like nobody's talking about Olga Meredith in In the Heights. Okay, great, great scene that she has. When we saw it the second time, some little girl was like, what was Abuela's song about? Like you stupid little feckless girl. Like, if you just listen to it, <laughs> she's telling her whole fucking life story. Anyway, I digress. Um, Anthony Ramos, my cousin. Hey, what's up? Uh, good in this. Like, really good. Good casting choice there. This is a long time coming for this movie because originally, like, the Weinstein Company held the rights to it. Mm. And Linda Miranda literally had to, like, you know, hope and pray those rights expired once that whole fallout happened. 
they did. That's how we got it from um, to Warner Brothers. Um, but with this adaptation, John M. Chu is the director and it made me hopeful that when he does Wicked this year, although we all know it's going to be next year, it ain't happening this year, it's going to be good. So, but in the Heights, it's on HBO Max. Like nobody saw it in theaters. Okay. I don't know if you two did. We did. We got to see it on a, like a, on a Mother's Day screening with like a packed audience and I cried. This is like it. Um, but please go see it on HBO Max at least. Do that much a favor because I don't know. They said that nobody saw it on there either. I don't know. Musicals are such like a niche thing still. I don't know. It's so great though. I saw it Fourth of July. So Where? what? In a theater? In a theater, yeah. God bless you. <laughs> it was part of my. But I saw four movies on Fourth of July in the theater. Good day. Um, I liked it. It was a good movie. Anthony Ramos, mm, he's hot. Um, talented too. That's um, my cousin. Well, I'll give him my number. <laughs> um, I found out my partner actually listens to this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm sure that's fine. There's a threesome. That's fine. Um, but anyway, yeah, I liked it. I think Christian was gonna uh, get me out of the will. If, uh, but no, I did. Yeah, um, I also saw the theater. This is my number nine. Um, so, and my favorite of the projects that Lin Manuel Miranda was involved in this year. He had a good year. Um, you like Vivo? I didn't see Vivo. Um, wow. So I, yeah, I still got to get wow. to that one. But I've seen Vivo. Well, maybe it'll be your number one. Um, <laughs> No, I agree with with everything that's been said. Uh, I I think one of the criticisms of this film when it came out is that there wasn't a central conflict. And that didn't bother me because all the characters have their own little conflicts. And that's what the film is kind of going for. Um, kind of slice of life, community. Um, the most joy I think I felt watching a movie this year, um, just with the way that community is presented and, and how vibrant and electric it is. Um, of all the characters, the, the one that I really enjoyed was Nina, uh, played by Leslie Grace, just because, I, I mean, I work with college students and, and her story about like not really fitting in at Stanford because it's primarily white, but also not feeling like she fits in at her home community because she goes to Stanford. That's a story that I think a lot of people experience that hasn't really been told before. So I really like seeing that here. Obviously. Olga Meredith um, is fantastic. Yeah, she should absolutely be getting nominations and wins all across, you know, all these voting bodies. I also want to shout out Gregory Diaz, uh, who plays Sonny. Um, that's one that I, I also wish was getting more attention just because I, I think he's not one of the first ones that come to mind for a lot of people, but his story is really impactful as well. And he plays it so well, especially being... Um, the youngest member of the cast. Um, so really impressed with him as well. But I think it's really, it's very technically sound. The choreography and the the song and dance numbers are terrific. Um, enjoyed all the songs. Um, and yeah, it, it's very rewatchable too. So definitely one that I'm sure we'll all come back to. Um, so. HBO Max. 
Very nice. All right. Um, well, I believe we are on Zay's number four now. Um, on number four. Well, strike that. I don't know. I, I love... My number four is one that was mentioned before, and it is Pig. In a lovely, lovely, ultimately sad film uh, about Nicolas Cage, who owns a pig. The best pig, the best truffle pig in uh, Hipsterville, USA. Um, but Nicolas Cage lives in the woods, like outskirts of this town. Is this a specific town? Is it Seattle? I, don't know. I think it's Seattle. Seattle. Or, yeah. yeah. No, okay. no, Portland, Portland. Portland. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Hipster, USA. Um, and one day his pig goes missing. And it's him. And one of the wolf twins has to go and find him. I forget which one of the wolf twins. I'm doing really bad this episode. I always do that too. Um, and the one of the wolf twins is the son of like the big restaurant owner. He like owns many restaurants in the area. Um, and so Nicholas Cage is just going around. Is like, where's my pig? And everyone's like, I don't know where your pig is, man. Um, but he just keeps following the trail to find his pig. Um, and then eventually it comes to be like, why do you care about this pig so much? Just get a new pig. And he's like, this is the part that made me curse. Like, I started crying. It was like, I love her. And I'm like, yes. oh my God, he oh. loves the pig. He loves the pig. That's all he loves. That's the only thing he has in this world is this pig. Oh my God. Anyway, um, I just love that it's like, the story is, if you think about the story long, like how the story is going, like that people are, it's like some like underground system. There's like a fight club. There's like, people. it's kind of an insane movie, but it's also a very quiet movie. So the drama of it is more subdued so that you don't think about how it's kind of a crazy movie. And to the fact that Nicolas Cage is very good at being in crazy movies, but he's also subdued to the point that it's one of his best acting roles in years. And I just really enjoy it. And it's very good. I have not rewatched it, but I bought the Blu-ray recently, so I will be rewatching it soon. Yeah, this is my number five. Um, so very close there. And yeah, the, the scene, I love her. Uh, that oh yeah also tore me apart i love that scene this should actually really be probably higher on my list because there are a few scenes multiple scenes this movie where i'm like oh that's one of the best scenes of the year um the scene in the restaurant where he confronts the chef uh there's a scene in the bakery which is really quiet but also just heartbreaking and then the the scene at the end um with the dinner scene it's just tremendous um nick cage just fantastic, fantastic in the movie. When I was going in this movie, I really didn't know what to expect. Like, I honestly thought looking at the poster and just like knowing Nick Cage and what he does sometimes, I thought Nick Cage might just go around kicking ass trying to find this pig. Oh, so you movie. thought it was going to be a John Wick. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. <laughs> and um, it's not that at all. What it is to me is probably the most empathetic movie of the year. Um, just simply because I think Cage's character is that way, but also the film 
it, it doesn't draw simple lines of good and bad. It, it, it seeks to understand all the characters and where they come from and does it in, in really, really emotional and effective ways. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. Um, Michael Sarnowski, this is his first feature film. Something that I think would interest all of us, including especially Toby, would be that he is signed on to direct A Quiet Place 3. So I did see that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what he does with that. Um, I, the spinoff, yeah. He's he's going to drink the spinoff. Oh, the spinoff. That's right. Spinoff. Yeah. Sounds cool. But yeah. Um, yeah. Pig. If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. Check it out. Um, yeah. Love it. Uh, we saw this in July, and I can't believe it was all the way back in July, but... Um... I like, I remember liking it. Um, Nicolas Cage is good in it. It's definitely something worth checking out. I just have the feeling that Nicolas Cage is not getting the Oscar nomination. No, I mean, oh, yeah. no, no. It was a good but, run. Though. It's not like totally out of the question, but. But maybe the Christian Award nomination. You better. Which honestly, which are more important? I mean, historically. 94 years versus. Seven. <laughs> All right. Well, um, going on to my number three, top three here. Uh, this is Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog. I was wondering if somebody was going to have this. Yes. Um, I, I, I also saw this in a theater, even though it is on Netflix. Um, a, a really nice little independent theater in Denver, um, which was really cool. Um, Definitely, definitely a slow burn film, but extremely intentional in how slow it is because it, it doesn't peel off everything too fast. It pulls off little details as we go along. Um, it's a story of Phil Burbank played by Benedict Cumberbatch and his brother George played by the great Jesse Plemons. Um, and Phil is like very rough very mean, um, borderline evil to people around him. Uh, whereas George is really soft-spoken and George meets, uh, Rose who's placed by Kirsten Dunst, um, married couple. We love them so much. Um, and he decides to marry her and obviously taking on her son who is played by Cody Smith McPhee. Uh, he plays Peter. What becomes of this is, um, Phil t- really taking some kind of small but torturous measures against them um, and just really being an asshole. And this leads Kirsten Dunn's character to turn to alcoholism. George is gone a lot, so he's not really there to um, protect her. And when he is there, he, he doesn't really do a good job of that. But what really comes about most of all is a really fascinating and strange relationship between Phil and Peter um, Phil kind of being a mentor in a weird way. Um, there might be some like romantic connections there, but it's all very subtle. Um, it doesn't lay anything out, but I just, it, it's one I don't want to describe too much of beyond that. Cause you really have to sit with it and experience what's happening as things come along to really find where these relationships are heading and what's really going on with these characters. I, I think 
Westerns, some people think those have really made a comeback in recent years. And there's been some that I like, but not a ton that I've really loved. This one finally broke that mold because I feel like this one is actually unique, not just from older Westerns, but from newer Westerns that have come out as well. Um, there's not a single gun fired in the movie. Um, not really much violence at all. It's like um, just very slow and meditative and it's all built around the characters. Jane Campion's direction is just fantastic in the way she weaves in those details. It's beautifully shot by Ari Wegner um, and the score from Johnny Greenwood is among my favorite of the year as well. Uh, great performances all around. Kirsten Dunst, as of right now, is my best supporting actress winner too. Um, and Cody is up there in supporting as well. So, and Benedict, they're, they're all up there. So Power of the Dog, I loved it. It, it. it stuck with me. And despite how slow it is, I really would like to watch it again at some point soon. That's how I feel. Like I, the most I want to say on it is I texted you this breath the other day. It's like, oh, this is like a Hitchcock movie. And I was like, wait, what? And then I'll let Toby talk about his experience with it as of late. But for me, I would just, I really want to see it again. Um, we normally wait till Oscar noms, which I mean, it's going to get probably going to win, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I'll wait till then to reevaluate it. And we did see it in the theater too, which I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah. what did, yeah, you have an experience with it lately. So I actually just finished reading the book like a week ago. Mm. So it is definitely something that I'm looking forward to watching again, because um, I think when we finished watching it, I had to th- kind of sit on it and think about it for a while because the first half of the movie without giving out too much is like something that I want to reevaluate basically the first half of the movie just based on like um, you know thinking over it and the book the book really provides a lot of kind of interesting detail um, that I think is going to give me a lot of context for what happens in the movie um, but yeah I, re- I really think it will it's definitely something i'm looking forward to seeing again yeah and to I, that point i will say oh sorry go ahead no brett obviously what you have to say is more important no no i was just gonna say to that point specifically yeah. when i first saw this i was like it might crack my top 10 obviously now it's my number three so it's steadily climbed up the list right it's like nomadland last year for me when i first saw it it was like exactly i don't get it but then when i saw it the second time i really got it um, when I saw it, I thought it was really good. I really connected with it. But now I've like, it's been like two or three weeks since I've seen it. It's really sat with me and I've thought more about it and like hearing other people talk about it. It's really grown on me. And now I also would like to rewatch it. So I think it's one of those films that does sit with you to the point that you're like, well, now I just have to rewatch it now. Right. But I think all of our conversations has pointed to. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I just want to share one more thought on the awards chance of this. I, I hope it does win best picture simply because my top two are definitely not getting nominated. And I think it would just be when this premiered at the festivals, the word that kept being used on it was divisive. And I, I don't think that was totally fair. Um, Yes. It's a movie that not everybody's going to connect with, but it's done pretty fucking well. So um, just going to throw that out there. I mean, I think what helps the power of the dog too is that I don't 
we're not, nobody's really talking about it right now in this moment. It's sort of something that's, it's not like last year or like previous years where the front runner kind of lost steam. I feel like this has mm-hmm. the power to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Because it has those strong elements. Like the screenplay is great. Um, three of the acting performances are like really good. And mm-hmm. Jane has been winning like all these awards because of the way she's directed it. Right. I think it has the power to keep going. It does feel like another nomad land to me. So, yeah. Cause that was another one. People said, Oh, it's too divisive. Clearly not. So. Right. I, I love them when people talk about divisiveness in terms of like the Oscars and I'm like divisive films don't make it to the Oscars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why Titan didn't make That's it true. there. Yes. That's a film that it is truly going to divide people. <laughs> so, it, just literally, so it's funny because me and Brad are on the top in my Zoom here, and Toby and Christian at the bottom. That's where the divide is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christian, let's hear your number three. All right, my number three is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because my number. Th- Three is also the Mitchells versus the Machine. Well, evil still is gonna die tonight. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Damn. Well, Zay, is it your number three? No. Oh, okay. Well, then let's hear your number three. My I number three is a movie that I saw on my great Fourth of July movie binge, and it is Zola. Oh. Um, a movie. Wow. I really enjoyed, and I thought a lot of people enjoyed, but I haven't really heard anyone talk about it too much since then. Um, Based on a famous Twitter thread about this girl who went to Florida with this other girl to go pole dancing and the most chaotic series of events occur. Um, It is, oh, I'm gonna look up the cast. Uh, Taylor Page and Riley Keough are the two main girls and they're just so electric they know exactly what to do with the screen they have amazing chemistry which works so well when like they're friendly toward each other and then when shit goes down and they're fighting the chemistry is still on point the whole time it's just a very mm, Oh, it's so hard to talk about a movie I saw six months ago. I need to rewatch it as well. Um, it's just, it's it's funny, but also very suspenseful. Like, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, but I was also kind of laughing at a lot of it. Um, Coleman Domingo, also fantastic in the movie. He plays an antagonistic figure in it who is also equally as scary as he is also humorous. Um. Yeah, I just I really like the vibe of the film. It was very kind of erratic and quick paced, and it was all over the map. But it didn't feel like at any time. It felt like the director and the editors they knew exactly what kind of thing they were making, so it never felt like it was getting out of their hands. And yeah, very enjoyable film. As much as I cannot bring myself to give specific details still very good i would love to see a screenplay nomination for a series of tweets (laughs) 
So when I thought, I, I mean, I liked it too. It's very um, chaotic as fuck. Like, yeah. Series of unfortunate events for Dear Zola. But when we went to go see it, I vividly remember that there were children in our screening, like right before the movie started. <laughs> I remember that. I, yeah. And I had to get up and look at the mom and was like, y'all know what movie we're in? And they told me whatever animated movie was out during July. Was it Peter Rabbit? Yes, that's what it was. It was Peter <laughs> Rabbit. And I was like, oh, I no, no. This about that. Like, this is Zola. And she's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, this is like an adult movie. <laughs> and she got them kids out of there fast. But I, at the same time, like afterwards, I'm like, I shouldn't have told her. I mean, I, I would have just like to. That would have that would have added to the experience, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, what's a hoe? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Speaking ahead. of one scene performances, T. S. Madison in this so fucking good. She's Madison in this. Yeah, yeah, she's the 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 person like the person in charge of the girls at the Florida club. Now you probably told me this. I just oh what? <laughs> well, silky nutmeg ganache. That's the only reason why I know who T.S. Madison is. <laughs> I I like this too. I mean, it, it's definitely a unique screenplay just because of what it's based on, and I like the narration in this. Um, I had to keep going back to what was it like. Let me tell you a story about how me and this bitch had a fallout or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's something I remember. Okay, when this like halfway through the movie, where uh, the Riley Keough's character, she's like, "Hold on, this is how it really went down." And I thought yeah. we were going to watch the whole movie again. I was um, laughing my ass <laughs> off. Elvis would be proud of her. Mm. And if nobody out there knows wh- why I said that, I. Google, God damn it! And if you don't want to Google, Elvis is her grandfather. Hmm. Yeah, I I really enjoyed Zola too. I would give it an adapted screenplay nomination, not just because it's based on tweets, because it's really well written. Um, Coleman Domingo, what? I didn't know you had seen it. Oh yeah, I saw it in theater. Uh, My theater story. It was me and two a married couple that was 60s or 70s. Um, they left during the dick montage. So <laughs> <laughs> after that, it was just me. Um, dick montage. There's so many good things in this movie. <laughs> um, no, it, it's a wild ass ride um, in a way that, that the movie should be if you've read the series of tweets. And um, yeah, Coma Domingo should be up for every supporting actor award he is terrifying in this movie honestly yeah he's great so my number two is a movie that i definitely did not expect to be on this list and especially not in my top two it is david lowry's the green knight um lowry is a director that i've always been interested in um since he started making movies um and he kind of goes back and forth for me this is definitely different than anything he's done before um so it tells the arthurian legend of sir gawain and the green knight um dev patel plays the lead role basically i didn't know the tale going in but uh kind of mythical creature man thing called the green knight walks in on christmas to king arthur's court 
uh, challenges a knight to basically fight him there and says, in one year, whatever you do to me, I get to do to you. Let's see if you face the challenge. Gawain, not thinking about it, cuts the damn guy's head off. And surprise, he's still alive. Picks up his head, says, I'll see you in a year, buddy, and walks out. So the story flashes forward after that and is about um, Gawain going on this trek and living out what he promised, or does he? I was just kind of astounded by this movie because um, I medieval fantasy is a genre that I oftentimes really like, sometimes love with like Lord of the Rings, but not often do I fully love it. Um, like Game of Thrones, even before last season, you know, but I, I always thought it was really good. Never once did I consider it like one of my favorite shows, um, just as an example. So in the way, this kind of ex- subverted my expectations. Uh, part of that is the performance from Dev Patel, who I think is tremendous here. Most of that comes from the images throughout the film. Um, I was just pretty entranced by the use of colors, how it mixes warm and cold colors in a way that probably shouldn't work, but absolutely does. Um, It's between this and the tragedy of Macbeth for the best cinematography of the year for me. I just love how it all comes together. There's a lot of scenes where like, there's a lot of colors surrounding the frame. Like one time it's all kind of green and foggy. There's a part where he dives in a pond and it's all red. Um, the forest, it's kind of got this yellow tint to it. I just, it, it, it's beautiful how it's put together in ways that I really didn't expect. Um, all the texts are great, great costumes, great sound. Uh, the score is awesome, but I just got really wrapped up in this journey and where it it takes them. It, It is truly an odyssey to see what he encounters along the way, but the last 10 or 15 minutes is just absurdly good um when it really gets into this idea of honor and how false that might be and how someone like gaywin interacts with that as he confronts the green knight last line of the movie is perfect um and so this one caught me by surprise i i think it's just tremendous and it stuck with me since i saw it in the summer it has one of the best shots of the year. Specifically, the best come shot. Oh, God. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. No, but I really liked it. I, I, I am a person that's very bored by that kind of, like, that general idea of fantasy, the, the, the medieval, like, European fantasy. Because it's just been done so many times. Yeah. Um, but I thought this take was very interesting. I liked it a lot. Um, I liked the more horror elements, of course. Um, I love the ghost woman that he uh, that he find that he visits. Um, I had lost it, but yes, very good. Oh, David Lowry. I also find him to be, and I don't think I didn't particularly care about Pete's Dragon, but any movie he's made since then, I've I've really liked. I mean, A Ghost Story is probably one of my favorite movies in general, but I also found The Old Man and the Gun to be good, and I'm just, I'm very interested in his career, and I like to see where it goes. Yeah, same here. Good movie. I really liked it. I want to see it again, because we bought it, so. 
I definitely really like the cinematography. I mean, like, it's just like, like you said, Brett, like, for, to me, it's like what I am drawn to in like the colors and the the way that it's just like soft and like, I don't know, it's just perfect. Like the cinematography, it's the cinematography of the year for me. Oh, the scene with the giants. Oh, yeah. 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 I was glad it finally came out because I feel like this is one that got delayed a lot. I'm pretty sure the trailer came out over a year before the movie did. So it's nice to finally see it. Because I think it was going to come out like March or April. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of 2020. All right. Christian, let's hear your number two. My number two is The Father. He will die tonight. But <laughs> my number two is also The Father. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so we'll go back to so, back here. And we didn't establish it was the same number. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Because it's going to happen again. Uh, and Zay, what number was it for you? Number nine. So number nine and two number twos. Okay. The Father. Direct and Brett hated it. What? And Brett hated it. Oh, yes. Okay. I'll get to that. Oh, no, because Brett actually considers this a 2020 movie, even though because it played in one theater or something like that. And then identifying features gets on both 2020 and 2021 list. Boom. Identifying I, features got removed from the 2020. I saved father. some time for all of us. <laughs> that long story. It had a theatrical run in 2020. It, it just wasn't well publicized. But I, I understand it going either way. I don't mind it being on people's 2021 list. So have at it. Anyway, a 2021 film entitled The Father. Okay. Uh, directed by Florian Zeller, starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. Anthony Hopkins' character, Anthony is his name, has dementia Alzheimer's. It's very severe. So severe, in fact, that the trick that the filmmakers do is that a lot of times you're questioning if everything that we're seeing through his perspective is true or not. Is this apartment his apartment or is it his daughter's apartment? Did we see this event occurring today or was it yesterday or is it tomorrow? We're literally into his mind. Is, and this, her, is this his daughter or is that his daughter? Yes. Is this mm. his daughter or is that his daughter? It, it's a lot of confusing questions, but that's the way that a person at his advanced stage of Alzheimer's or dementia um, is thinking about um and anthony hopkins gives literally i think what my number two or three best performance by a lead actor winner and as we know from the oscars it was a very shocking win personally deservedly so win i love this win so much i love anthony hopkins in this i love olivia coleman in this the production design is great because it all takes place within this apartment but this or excuse me because we're in england this flat and so this flat is like it's like an ever-changing maze to him to us to everything that's happening and it's beautiful it's a weirdly beautiful movie and he's just so good in it god damn it so and clearly good enough for three out of four of us so go i mean i have to agree like anthony i think he gives my my favorite best actor winner performance um olivia coleman's great too the whole cast is great and the editing is like 
it, the editing is thanks to why you're you keep questioning what's happening. Um, it's just a really great movie. I um, I mean, we talk about this in the Oscars episode a lot, um, yeah. but I found it to be a great achievement of not only acting because I do think Anthony Hopkins gives one of the all-time great performances in it. Um, I think it's also a class act in editing. I think it's edited in such a way that makes you in his head that you also do not know exactly what's going on. And it took me and I had to watch it a second time to be like, okay, here's where this piece connects to this piece connects to this piece. Um, But yeah, it's, it almost gets to a point of like psychological thriller where you just want him to be safe and you don't know if that's what's going to happen to him. And yeah. And as a person that the idea of dementia or Alzheimer's just terrifies me, that it literally, like, it just becomes a scary movie to me. Um, but yeah, I also agree that it's like also like, Oof, those those last that that last like five or ten minutes, it, it it punches you right in the gut. Um, I will say if I had put it on my twenty twenty one list, it would probably be like number five or six. So, um, looking at twenty twenty where I put it, it leads my personal wins. Um, with four, I I definitely would have awarded. Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, the editing and the screenplay as we talked about. But no, Hopkins gives one of the best performances ever. Um, fantastic movie. It, it's so th- thrilling to watch. Um, just the way it's all kind of constructed and, and whatnot. Um, I hate that his win was was kind of... I don't want to say tainted. I, it's not tainted, but it, it was dominated by conversations outside of the merit of the performance um and part of that is because the oscars set it up like it was going to be a this big tribute to chadwick boseman um and then steven soderbergh had the nerve to be like no it was just you know all unpredictable no shut yeah up. he's a liar if it was really um, that then the all of the awards would have been yes like a surprise not just the one right yeah, he's a liar. Um, they definitely <laughs> set it up that way. And it was pretty ugly to see how that all came about. And they also wouldn't let Hopkins zoom in. Um, he's what, almost 90? And they're like, no, if you want to go, you have to go to this location in London. So he had to like make a video afterwards. And um, yeah, the, the Oscars handled that really poorly. Um, not to have that dominate the conversation. The father is really great. And yeah, definitely recommend but let me ask you this, Brett. If it is you one of your best of 2020, why didn't you have it on your list in 2020? Is it perhaps that you didn't see it? Hmm. At the time, I didn't realize it had been it had a theatrical run in 2020. Oh, so you you didn't know it had a theatrical run in 2020, like most people. I think you're making this up. Nope. Nope. It sounds like a this sounds like a case for Scoob in the game. If we're gonna interrogate each other, here's this. Movies do this all the time. So do you not go back and do this for other years? It's all the time. They, they have like one theater in New York and LA and they're considered that year. Do you adjust it for those years? Time isn't real. <laughs> what year do you it's put- It's a common practice. What year do you put Casablanca? I'll leave it at that. 
I just go with I the said I'll leave it at that. So. <laughs> I said good day, sir. Whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> a fine 2021 film, The Father. You know what? I'll... In March of no, I think it's like, a, it's like labeled a 2019 film. I'm closer. Um, but yeah, we agree. It's great. I could go pull it from my 2020 list too, if you'd like me to. So, and leave it off both, but no. Uh, okay. So that was I'm just saying you're making up rules for identifying features. I'll, I'll tell that nobody's ever this heard is... of. Uh, movie I brought up to you that you still haven't seen last year. Um, thank you, Zay, for actually going and watching this movie. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> No, I well, tagging you and you're just dragging Christian under the bus. <laughs> Here's what happened. I realized I was wrong after I gained more information mm-hmm. and I made a change. More people should learn to do that. Look at the way his hands are placed. <laughs> <laughs> I think the listener should tune in. Let, let's hear, <laughs> hear what you guys say on Twitter. Big <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Brett probably showers more. Of course. Oh, All right. I was like, do you not shower? Of course I do. Zay, what's you your number two? I, do, Zay. I was talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. What number oh, are we on? Number two. I. Uh, it's my number two. And it is y'all's number three. It is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, A wonderful, wonderful... Uh, animated film that Sony dropped off on Netflix because it said, hey, y'all, I'm not going to the theater no more. You can have this. And then Netflix said, thank you. And it became a huge hit on Netflix. Um, It's a lovely film about the Mitchells, a family, just like any other. Um, Their daughter, Katie, um, and the others that I forgot all their names. Um, but I love them. The son is really into dinosaurs. He calls up random numbers and be like, do you want to talk about dinosaurs? I would talk about dinosaurs with him. I love him. And then a mom who just wants everyone to do their best and a dad who's kind of out of touch, but he he's meaning well, but he's kind of dumb too. And, but we still love him. He's a big himbo. Um, but basically Katie's about to go to college and the dad's like, well, I need to do this one thing before you go so we can reconnect. We're going to go on a road trip to your college instead of you going on a plane. And it turns out okay until the robot apocalypse happens where their version of Apple uh, fucks everyone over and robots take over the world. And it's just a very... I love the art style of it. It's just very Sony animations. I think they're leading in terms of like the mainstream art studios of like doing creative things on the screen between that and the Spider-Man movie. Um, It's just very colorful. It's very loud. Another movie where there's like a bunch of jokes and like just some jokes that I'll just think to myself and I'll just start laughing like there's this uh scene where the mom's like we haven't had one good family photo because you two keep fighting and then the dad's like what about that one it's just it's like a very realistic photo then she's like that one came with the frame and it's just so good 
Um, there's big Furbies, evil Furbies, what we've always known about Furbies. Um, I literally just watched it this weekend. It's so rewatchable. I love it so much. It's on Blu-ray, one of the few Netflix movies you can own a physical copy of. Yeah, I really hope it, it goes far in the animated categories of awards since the Golden Globes who do not matter to said I don't know. It's a very I, hope it, film. I hope it gets nominated. It deserves it. It's so good. That's why it's my number three. Um, they did not mention that the villain, well, yeah, it's, it's like their version of an Apple product, but voiced by the one, the only Olivia Coleman. That's true. I did like the one. Honestly, like when that happens, like you hear her for the first time, I want her in more animated features. Mm -hmm. She sounds like she's having a fucking blast with this and like all proud of you. I'm proud of you, girl. Like, look at you. Everybody didn't know who you were unless you were like in Britain or you watched what was, what is she in? She's in The Crown? Not The Crown, not, well, Fleabag, a couple of British other shows. Sorry to the British fans out there. I don't know British <laughs> shows, okay? Doctor what? But she's great. She's having a good time. Good for her. Every, Danny McBride's great. Maya Rudolph is the mom. Like, Doug the Pug. Doug the Pug is in this. Okay, that's what sold it for me. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Munch. Munch? Munch. Mon- Munchy. Munchy. Played by Doug the Pug. I think that's what I forgot to mention that I love the voice cast. It doesn't feel like anyone was hired as a name that everyone was hired specifically because they were going to be the best for the job. Yeah. I love the animation too. Like it's so unique. I love the, just the way it looks. Yeah. This is in my honorable mentions. Um, Similar. uh, Yeah. I echo Zay's point about Sony animation. I, what they did with, into the Spider-Verse three years ago that felt totally unique and different. They do that again here in a way that's different and unique and, and fun once again. Um, it's a blast from start to finish. I, I don't know who wouldn't enjoy this movie to some degree or another. So good stuff. Let's, let's go to Letterboxd and look at all the people who gave it a three and a half or lower and call them the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Her's the number one. I won't name them just in case. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we reached our time for number ones. So I will kick us off here once again. Oh, here we go. This is, I will say, this is another situation similar to the father. This is one that has not been widely available yet, but it has had some runs in at least New York, maybe LA. It's eligible for this year's Oscars. It is the worst person in the world. I got really lucky because this was at Denver Film Festival and I was going to choose like two movies to see and I chose this in a hero. Um, similar to The Power of the Dog, I finished it, knew I loved it, knew it was probably going to end up in my top 10, didn't know where. Um, up until, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I had The Green Knight there, but then I was like, you know, I keep going back to the worst person in the world. And I think it's just because... Um, 
the lead actress, uh, Renato Reinsva, I believe is how her name is pronounced, is fantastic. Not just in what she does emotionally. She, she does so many different things in the movie, but that she really brings a character to life that reflects a generation. Um, so she plays Julie. Um, and this takes place in Norway, I believe. Um, but she is like a late twenties, early thirties, young woman who is having trouble navigating what she does in her life. She's one that, you know, probably changed her college major like five different times. Not really sure where her career path is going to take her if she has a career path at all. Um, and it follows her as she takes on some different relationships and romances that have just a huge impact on her life um, and who she is as a person. This movie is told in 12 acts, like they're identified and have their own like titles and whatnot. They're not necessarily like instantly connectable, um, but similar to like um, My Life to Live from Jean-Luc Godard that I've talked about before. I love that movie. It's very similar to that in that it's just trying to capture who this woman is by presenting 12 different moments in her life. Um, there's a per supporting performance from uh, Anders Danielson Lee, who would be my supporting actor winner this year. He's terrific on top of Reinsva. She would definitely be my lead actress winner. Um, directed by uh, Hokim Trier, I believe is his name. Haven't seen any of his other movies, but I think he's fantastic. I I'm really excited to check that out because the direction here is fantastic. Screenplay works so well. It's one of those you just kind of have to experience this alongside the lead character and go along and she has really stuck with me as a character. And I love movies where you can really get attached to a character like that. And so as a result, that's why this is shooting to the top of my list. Um, it finally gets its wide release in February, but uh, everybody else is out there hasn't seen it yet. Be looking out for it when it comes out, because it's great. I don't know what you said, because we muted you. Again, we haven't seen this. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't care about an opinion until I see it. That's all I will say on that. I think it's like the last major thing we haven't seen yet, like that we would want to see. I will get it. And if not, it supposedly comes out in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. I, if I see it in a theater, cool. Yeah, it's playing at the theater I go to. I've seen so many trailers for it now. Um, I'm very excited to see it soon. Cool. Yes. All right. Christian, let's hear yours. Well, Toby and I actually have the same number one. So let's say it together. Our number one is West, West Side, Side Story. Story. Oh, I thought it was going to be Annette. I know. I thought you planned something. No. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something different, not West Side Story. Honestly. <laughs> I should have, but I didn't think that. <laughs> okay. But it is West Side Story. Um, if you don't, I mean, who saw this in theaters? None of you. Damn it. I, did. I, you, did. I know you all did, but metaphorically here. West Side Story, <laughs> the tale of Maria and the white boy. What's his name? Tony. I don't care. Tony. And this one played by Rachel Ziegler and the late Ansel Elgort. Although the world is just like, hey, what did he do? I don't know. Anyway. Um, but you've probably seen the original if you haven't. What the hell? <laughs> Musical. 
it's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, Rita Moreno is back in it. Ariana DeBoss, David Alvarez, Corey Stoll. The one everybody's talking about now, Mike Faced. Like, incredible. Um, it's the it's a West Side Story for, like, a new generation. Um, and directed by the one and only Steven Spielberg. Years ago, if you told me that Steven Spielberg was going to remake one of, like, the best movies that already existed, I would have never believed you. And... He did it and he accomplished everything that I could have ever imagined and ever dreamed about. And I cried and we saw it twice and it was great. Nobody was in our movies when we saw it. I loved it. I can't wait to see it. Somebody was saying like, is it going to be on Disney plus? Cause it is technically like a Disney movie. They swept it under the rug. They did it dirty. And then all of a sudden everybody has praise for it. And it's like, Oh, let's win awards. Okay. Where were you in the first place? Disney. But yes, I loved it. I cannot believe I loved it as much as I did. Yeah, if you had told me like a year ago that what Steven Spielberg could remake West Side Story and it would be like great, I would not have believed it. Um, I love Rachel in this. I think what it definitely takes like the source material. So it's like it's more obviously it's more of a readaptation than like a a remake. But um, I love that it takes and it makes it better because the characters are better i feel like the like the two lead well at least rachel's better than what they did in the original and um rita's character um gets that somewhere song which i feel like it gives it so much more sorry if this is a spoiler but it gives it so much more meaning and so much more depth and that that scene is like it, it gets it got me each time i i, I saw it. it just it's just like it blew me away like the creative change, I mean, not the creative changes, but the the way that Spielberg makes certain scenes, I just like, I don't know. Um, Officer Krupke being set in like the actual courtroom <clears throat> with not Riff singing it, but just like the boy singing it. I feel pretty, was so beautiful. <laughs> like I still, I have vivid imagery of when they're all looking in the mirror and they're going in their perfect circle, like everything is blocked so beautifully. And I have said on this show many times that I have difficulty with um, what's his name's cinematography, uh, Janus, Mr. Janus Kaminsky, but Janus, you did it. Like, <laughs> I, I believe in you again. I, I trust you. And honestly, if Spielberg wants to make another musical, do it. Oh, damn it, because you can do it for me. I don't care. I love you. Yeah. Oh, oh, Brett, this actually wasn't yours. You go ahead. Oh, for, uh, yeah, this is number seven on my list. Um, yeah, when this, so I will say, I also doubt this movie and people are going out there saying, how would you doubt Spielberg? Okay, one, it's West Side Story. Two, I haven't loved a new Spielberg movie in a while. So I think there was some justification to have doubts. He exceeded expectations for sure. Um, when this premiered and people were talking about it on Twitter, they were saying like, this might be better than the original. Like this is that good. Um, it's like top tier Spielberg, which I still, I don't know, but, um, and I was like, no, like, come on. This is just like the, the early fodder that people are getting ahead of themselves. And Christian saw it and said, it might be better. And I was like, oh, Okay. I, I took it seriously then because I know how much Christian loves the original and I saw it and I'm like, it's probably better. 
Um, not just because it corrects some things, but in, in like the representation, but I just felt like a lot of these characters were so much more developed. Um, especially Maria, because I, you know, and and getting that love between her and Tony, obviously Elbert brings it down, but the love between the two, I felt so much more because like we get to see them go on a date. Um and it doesn't overly extend the movie. And that's not something that we really get in its entirety in the original. Um, it, it's pretty quick, but there's things like that, where I just felt a deeper connection to the characters and the performances are great. Um, Ariana DeBose is amazing. Uh, Mike Face is so good. I, I think those two in Ziegler are, are definitely the standouts. Um, but yeah, uh, a boy like that, I have a love is my favorite from the original. It's 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 probably my favorite here too. That's just that's that sequence always works so well. Um, but there were some here that like surprised me, like the the cool sequence. Uh Mike Face is amazing in that sequence, in that song. And the cinematography or cinematography and the choreography both work extremely well. Um, but yeah, it 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 shocked me, not just that I liked it, but, but how much I loved it. Um, and I mean, well done, well done, really. The Spielberg and everybody else involved. Fourthly to say, I also had my doubts. Meryl Streep, she also had her doubts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also really enjoyed the film. Um, it's like right outside my honorable mentions, but I really liked it. I think I would love the film had Ansel Elgort not been Tony, because he is the weakest link. He's not like awful, but the fact that every single other person in this film is like doing a 10 out of 10, maybe even a 9 out of 10, he's a 6 out of 10. And but since he's like so much not as good as everyone else, it kind of brings it down for me, especially because he has so much screen time. And yeah, so that's my bit. That's like my only issue with the film is Ansel Elgort. It's um, kind of weird that like Spielberg picked him because he was the quote unquote name, mm-hmm. but he's not like a name. Was he ever no. really a name? No, he's no. not a name. But then you pick everybody else who has like at least some theater experience or, you know musical training dancing training and then it's like yeah let's pick this one guy he's never the only thing i can think of is he might have just saw baby driver and thought and really liked it that's the only thing that can come to mind but i don't know does he doesn't work for me but yeah everything uh i agree the 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 the, yeah losing my words it's been a long day um but yeah i was also surprised Unfortunately, saw it in a pretty empty theater like five mm-hmm. days after it came out. Um, but I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad Christian was like, no, this is good and worth seeing. And I was like, okay, I'll go out of my way to see it now. I saw it with Spanish subtitles. Um, Hola. It was either like that at eight o'clock or another one at 845. And I was like, yeah, I'll then so. We saw it in both the Dolby and the IMAX. I like the Dolby better. I saw it in Dolby. Fun fact, I brought uh, hummus and pita with me. I snuck it in from Trader Joe's <laughs> and I had a little snack while I watched West Side Story. <laughs> Some people say I can't sneak Chipotle in. 
See, you just got to be good at it. Or the theater just actively does not care. We got to wear our big jackets. We got big jackets specifically for taking foods in. I don't think FMC doesn't care because they let you bring bags in. I don't think they're supposed to. But yeah. All All right. right. Now my number one. Um, and if anyone knows me, it's no surprise that this is my number one because I've been kind of obsessed with this movie ever since I saw it. And it is Kristen Stewart is Spencer. And what a film about Princess Diana on a Christmas, the three, three or four, three day Christmas. Christmas Eve, Christmas, Boxing Day, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with the royal family. And it's kind of a haunted house movie. It's kind of a fucked up family movie. It's like going into this, knowing uh, Pablo Lorraine's uh, Jackie and how people were expecting a kind of biopic and then he just gives a very intimate view of that woman's life. And this is a very similar thing, except he takes a lot more liberties with the truth and makes it more fantastical, makes it more psychological and cerebral. Um, never to the point that we don't understand what's real and what's not. He makes that pretty clear and distinct. But when the things turn into the surreal or the cerebral edit, we are taken aback because we never really expected to turn that way in the moment. Like when she eats her pearl necklace or when the ghost of Anne Boleyn visits her or when she turns into Anne Boleyn. Um, there's just many elements in the film that I just found to be very, I don't know, there's just many scenes in it that I just felt for her in a way that's I think Princess Diana is always a figure that we all have a great sympathy for and though so she's a great like person to make a film like this for because obviously Princess Diana is the focal point and there wouldn't really be a movie without Princess Diana but I think it has a deeper like a deeper story about wanting to be your own person while also having to keep a certain guard up, a certain mask up around you, around people you don't necessarily want to be around anymore. Um, Lots of things in my own personal life. So I took it on personally, um, but I just found, and then Kristen Stewart is an amazing turn as Princess Diana. I love, I think she's perfect. Um, there's many times where I'm just like I feel like she gets lost in the character that I don't even recognize Kristen Stewart as Princess Diane anymore and um, also bringing up Johnny Greenwood he does an incredible score for this film as well how he has two incredible scores in one year I have no idea he deserves the Oscar for that alone Um, and it has gotten one 80s pop song stuck in my head for the last five or six months. All I Need is Miracle by Mike and the Mechanics. And yeah, I don't know. It's just a movie that I think about a lot. 
and it has many different themes that I would like to explore more. It has a lot of idea about time, past, present, future. It's just a lot of, it's a movie I think about a lot and that's why it means a lot to me. And I just love it. I thought it was fine. I I was going in fully expecting like a biopic, much like Jackie, but I should have kind of known better because I don't know. I read a whole biography on Diana right before seeing this. So I was fully expecting to like all of that. And I didn't get that. So, but Kristen Stewart was great. I thought, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I it, like at the same time though, that this does something different. It gets you into the mind of what Diana was going through. Because if you want something that like tells you who Diana is, there's like plenty of stuff out there like that. Like you can watch the crown. There's like Diana there's plenty, the of musicals. Doc- plenty of documentaries. <laughs> You know, if you really want to know who, I do think that the marketing from the movie kind of led you to believe that it was going to be more, more about her because everybody who saw like the trailer was thinking, oh, we're going to get a picture of who she is, but it wasn't, that's not what it was. I mean, I definitely enjoyed like the cinematography and the costumes. I just overall wasn't like, it didn't, doesn't stick with me like it does with you, I'd say. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I um, I don't love it, but it, it I do like it. It's a good movie. Um, for me. Um, what I will say, yeah, I agree with with you, Toby. I even if I didn't love it, I would much, much, much prefer to have it be like this than just a typical biopic. Um, yeah, don't need that. I I like when f- filmmakers take the reins and try to create a work of art rather than just like tell someone's life story and i'm also just sick of biopics um so i definitely what respects um the direction here and whatnot i i think the perlating scene is pretty pretty great um also i don't think this is a spoiler but the scene in the drive-through i love that scene I, I love the way that comes together too uh, and yeah kristen stewart is fantastic um i hope at the very least that the respect for her that that's come out of, of since this movie has come out, even if it's not happening in all circles, um, I hope it just continues and she continues to get like great roles like she's been getting. So I hope it breaks her from that like idea that she doesn't have like any sort of range because that's yeah. what's happening for a long time because of Twilight and like nobody, everybody thought she was just like flat, but obviously she can do more than that. Right. And she has other roles too that are good, like personal shop personal shopper and mm-hmm. you know even speak when she was before twilight is good you know panic hopefully room. it leads people to panic room hopefully it leads people to realize that she has more to offer i mean even underwater developed it's called audience and i'm she was a big part of that Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, i saw that one. that's a good movie that's yeah all right we've gotten through our list given our number one so now as always as we always do I uh, got to give a shout out to some honorable mentions. Um, I don't know how many all did. I, I did 10 just because I I really had 10 films I didn't like leaving off my list. Uh, I thought the year was pretty excellent. Um, so it's going to run through these real quick. Um, first one I have here is The Novice um, from director Lauren Hathaway. That's a really thrilling movie. Uh, Shiva Baby. Hilarious, but also probably the best horror movie of the year. Um <laughs> The Summit of the Gods, uh, 
really underrated animated movie. That's really worth checking out. My favorite movies I've never heard of. Summit of the Gods is on Netflix. Um, I'm not sure how it went so far under the radar. I it it's international, um, so it's French. Um, my favorite documentary of the year, The Rescue. Uh, great movie. Uh, Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, no Time to Die, the James Bond movie. Great send off for Daniel Craig. A couple other docs that I loved: Music Docs, Summer of Soul, uh, for Questlove and Billie Eilish. The world's a little blurry. Uh, I actually really like that in ways I didn't expect to. Shocking, I know, but Steven Soderbergh's movie, No Sudden Move, the best movie he's made in quite some time. And of course, The Mitchells, The Machines. And finally, last but not least, the family memes that came out of F9, because that brought me some true joy this year from the film. <laughs> so, Wait, did F9 come out this year? Yes. It did. <laughs> That was like the first screener we saw this year. Yeah. 2021 was an incredibly long year. <laughs> All right, uh, Christian, what do you got? Well, we're going to, Toby and I are going to jointly share these because he has a list pulled up. So, um, but I want to bring up Belfast because unlike mm-hmm. the majority of everybody, I enjoy Belfast myself. It's good. It's cute. Who's the majority? Everyone on Twitter is having a fight over this movie. <laughs> That's what I mean. The majority of people on Twitter don't like it. Because they don't have souls. I don't Kenneth Branagh has somehow become like the award season villain this year. And it's just really weird. Branagh? I've never heard anybody say How do you say his name? Branagh? Branagh? Branagh. That sounds so not British. I'm sorry. But okay. (laughs) Anyway. Um, you went on one summer in London, Brett. I'm not a, a Branagh enthusiast. I don't like Shakespeare. So, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Angelina <laughs> was in another movie this year called "Those Who Wish Me Dead." Very the Brad Pitt very, story. Very exciting th- little thriller. I personally enjoyed being the Ricardos. Um, I think being the Ricardos might grow on me after listening to the podcast from TCM. A little bit more and like most of the stuff is true in there yeah yeah a nice little horror movie starring rebecca hall the night house which i saw they watched last night and yeah it was fine uh, and one that's on hulu starring tony collette is dream horse it's adorable it's like it's just like this oh, fun no stakes movie it's like no stakes but it's like it's just nice we went to see it and we were the only because i went with my cousin and toby we were the only three in like a 400 seat theater and like a family walked in halfway through <laughs> sat down for 10 minutes and they're like wait we're in the wrong movie <laughs> yeah you remember that yes i do actually yeah um another one i liked was blue bayou a movie but nobody but us saw but it was it's just about this um man who grew up in louisiana and finds out that he wasn't actually born in america he came his parents brought him and he just has this whole fight about staying um it's so good like it's so sad i know that was a thousand theaters for like a week that's why i didn't see it one two and it was gone after one week another one um together together it's about this um man who gets this surrogate and they end up sort of forming this bond i really like this one i actually have um her name is patty harrison she's like the lead um i have her in my lead, uh, actress nominations because i just feel like it's this really fun um kind of romantic comedy but they're not it's not really romantic 
they both realize that they can be happy without, um, you know, being in a relationship or whatever. And I also personally and somewhat enjoy Don't Look Up. So I will mention that. Um, and then one more, CODA is just mm. um, a really important, CODA of course stands for a child of deaf adults. Um, I really hope that Troy gets nominated because he's really good in it. It's an, just a funnier performance, but. I have a couple more myself. Um, here today, which was a movie <clears throat> with Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish. Oh, I know yeah. some of us didn't like it. We enjoyed it. No, not you. Uh-huh. Yeah, no response down there. Um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye was pretty decent. Jessica Chastain's awesome in it. No Time to Die. We both really liked Escape Room, Tournament of Champions, and Un... un what is the word? Unsuspecting great sequel. Um, Belle, which we... Oh, sorry. There's like a different... There's like a different version that they have on Blu-ray. Like a director's cut or something? Weird. Oh, we need that. Um, Belle, which we all actually for just recently saw... But yeah, really good. Um, really good music in that. Luca was great. Um, Last Night in Soho, controversial because we both really liked it. Uh, we did a double feature with the French Dispatch and that, and I prefer Last Night in Soho as is Toby. Um, Paw Patrol the movie, sue me. Sue me, great stuff. And one, oh, Ron's Gone Wrong, a movie I told Zay to watch, and I don't think that's happened yet. Oh, and Mass. I don't have either of you seen And that was yes. saved that one for last, but yeah, Mass. Yes. Oh, the last one, but Mass should be winning almost all the acting awards. Martha Plimpton. Everybody's talking about Ann Dowd, but I personally think Martha Plimpton is like the performance of that because it those scenes were with her are sticking in my head more so than anybody. Jason Isaacs is is probably the one that sticks out to me. I I don't know. I, when I first saw it, it was Ann Dowd, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I could go anyway with those. Oh, I guess technically this county and was nominated, but I see here Quo Vitus Ida because I really love that. Yes, yes, yeah. Are you sure, Brett? Did that not have like a a screening somewhere in like Boise? Pretty sure, pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it's not on my list, so whatever. <laughs> um, my honorable mentions: a hero. Uh, queer French film Summer of 85 um, my favorite superhero movie The Suicide Squad I guess it's not a superhero movie whatever um, Malignant oh um, yes mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite comedies that came from Shudder Psycho Goreman um, Parallel Mothers what's that uh, Paul, uh, Paul oh my god that's getting late Paul Blart uh, no, 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 not Paul Blart. <laughs> Benedetta. By the director. Paul Blart hero. Days by Simon Leane. Um, Todd Haynes' documentary, The Velvet Underground. Old uh, French Exit, the Michelle Pfeiffer movie yeah. that everyone kind of just forgot existed. I recently saw it and I loved it. Um the Tina Turner documentary on HBO, Tina, wonderful. And my final one, Labyrinth of Cinema, which was a, a Nohi, Nobuhiko Obayashi's final film. That's the one I wanted to get to before we recorded this. And I didn't get you, to it. Yeah, you mentioned that to me. Yeah. It, it's, it's dense, but it's really good. 
That's cool. Oh, the Fear Street trilogy. Netflix. Oh, oh yeah. That was fun. Yeah, a lot of films to check out if you haven't already uh, before you finalize those 2021 lists if you haven't already. So um, just to recap our number ones, um, a couple for West Side Story, Spencer, and The Worst Person in the World. And so those were our favorites from the year. And yeah, thanks for listening. Um, as always, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen, um, especially on iTunes. Follow us on all the social media. Um Thanks to Joshua Arnoldi for doing our theme music as always. And thanks to everyone here tonight um, as we kind of go through these dedicating about three hours to talk about some great movies from this year. So <laughs> final thoughts from anybody? Uh, Christian Awards. Yay, good stuff. Keep an eye on the Twitter for the Christian can believe, Awards. Can you believe I've been doing that for seven years? Wow. Like Zay's been there since the beginning. Damn, I've known you for seven years. <laughs> um, no, eight, I believe. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, like 2014. You know, I I looked for my Tumblr. I can't find. I can't get into my Tumblr anymore because it's part of an old email that I can't get into. Oh. Well, thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next time. Bye. Thanks, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.